I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom. Uh, paralyzed a little bit, but mostly with intimidation. Bionic. You're using a very ironic use of irony. Uh, because <laughs> this week, our special guest is someone very special. Uh, our own Tom Bionic, who, um, amongst several things, including being the co-host of the Future Quake Show is the founder of the Stop Sleep Paralysis Ministry. Mm-hmm. And our topic this week is going to be about sleep paralysis, a modern connection to an ancient evil. There and you go. so we've got a very special show this week that I think is going to be an unforgettable one for our, our listeners. And I just want to say... Unless uh, it really is bad, and then they can go ahead and forget Then it. they can forget about it. No, I doubt yeah. that's going to happen. I think we're going to get a lot of positive feedback from mm-hmm. this show. Tom, it's great to have... Arguably our greatest guest ever on certainly, this week on the Future best Quake looking, Show. Yes. Best looking one, yeah, as well as co-host. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're going to talk this week. Uh, now, for our new listeners, we normally have uh, some other guest for mm-hmm. every week for at least our Monday through Thursday segments mm-hmm. of our show. That's our normal thing. But mm-hmm. uh, this week, uh, leading up to the 2010, uh, last day's 2010 conference, mm-hmm. uh, held just outside Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. on April 23rd and 24th, uh, there are going to be eight speakers from around the country, including mm-hmm. you and myself. Yes. And this is an area where you've been focusing your attention in ministry. Great, yeah. great deal of it. Yep. That's right. And uh, and by the way, if people want to catch the conference, uh, it'll be coming up right after this is broadcast on WNO. Mm-hmm. Uh, at you can go to last-days.net, find out how to register for yeah, the conference. Just come on, come on down. Details on how to get there and mm-hmm. things like this. And we're going to talk about this subject matter of a ministry you've undertaken for a while, mm-hmm. and you have found some really stunning information about. And uh, you'll be giving a presentation about it uh, mm-hmm. at this conference. Mm-hmm. To get started with this very important discussion, can you share with us how you found out about this phenomenon and why it interested you sufficiently to get involved? Um, well, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. That actually, the beginnings of this, uh, of taking up this ministry, starting this thing, uh, actually goes back to our interview with Joe Jordan. Uh, as you may recall, that was a very powerful and very interesting interview about his alien resistance ministry, and I really felt a call to kind of get involved with that. Uh, I, I prayed a lot about it, and at the time there was a bunch of stuff, different things in the way. I just kind of couldn't, I couldn't connect with those guys, and uh, you know, there were, I just mm-hmm. had too many other things going on. Uh, but eventually, I, you know, I just really felt the the Lord's leading and saying, like, look, you need to get involved with these people. You need to do something about this, I think was sort of like, mm-hmm. if I had to sort of pin it down in words. Um, so I, I, I joined those guys in, uh, uh, as a, I think, they, I think the official term is a lay alien abduction counselor. Wow. That was my official uh, appellate. And um, as to, part, of the, part of the thing I was doing to prepare for that was to go, uh, go through and read just everything I possibly could about uh, eyewitness experiences and people who had uh, been saved from all this uh, through Joe's ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I can preface this for mm-hmm. our brand new listeners, mm-hmm. you, you may have totally wigged them out when you said alien abductions. Yes. Um, if, if, if I could just paraphrase, if people have been to 
couple conferences or seen the DVDs of the, the Ancient of Days conferences that mm-hmm. have been held for a number of years mm-hmm. from Christian theologians mm-hmm. who um, say that this continually growing widespread reporting of some kind of alien abduction event mm-hmm. can have some basis as a spiritual warfare Sure. Activity, well, and, and which is a basis of uh, particularly Joe Jordan's ministry, mm-hmm. yeah. is that it's something to be legitimate, and real, and has a spiritual manifestation. Well, it, it, anybody who's listening to this, if you haven't done the research, I, I would instruct them to go and listen to the Joe Jordan interview, actually, mm-hmm. uh, in, in our archives there at futurequake.com. Uh, but the short answer is yes, he he can he can terminate. Uh, what people purport to be an alien abduction experience using the name and the power and authority of Jesus. So uh, there are various other aspects of it that look like a spiritual phenomenon. Uh, I, I encourage everybody to go to, you know, of course, our website and look at the look at the aforementioned uh, interview, but also to Alien Resistance and look at some of the information they have there. It's really quite compelling uh, when you look at it from an unbiased perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, there were a couple of people. Uh, a couple of people there in those different eyewitness accounts. I remember one of them was a, from a person who was, I think it was Oklahoma, uh, where she was talking about uh, there were no, you know, there weren't any little green men or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like all this weird stuff was happening. And uh, she eventually got saved and it all it all went away. Um, and I thought, that doesn't sound anything like, you know, an alien testimony, mm-hmm. you know, if you will. As, as of the classic ones that are yeah, heard, like, and there are a lot of them out there. Well, if the Christians open their mind, eyes up, though. Sure, sure. Lots of people have. Well, there's 75 people that have been helped uh, who have their testimonies in written form up there at the Alien Resistance website. So you can mm-hmm. go right there and see these people. Right, right. You know, it's not. And they're just a drop in the bucket of the people yeah, who have experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of them in particular was a guy named Shandy, where you can go and actually look at his testimony. And it doesn't it doesn't fit any of the classic things on this. And I was listening listening to it uh, because there's both audio there and a written testimony. I was listening to it and I go, this sounds like this doesn't none of this sounds right. And so I did some digging around, and um, I came across this thing called sleep paralysis. And uh, you know, uh, a good friend of this show, Chris White, had actually done. Uh, sort of a, his first ever video project was something dealing with sleep paralysis, so he was familiar with it. And we talked a little bit about it, and the more that I looked around, I just saw that the need on this is incredibly great. As you'll find out, uh, sleep paralysis has existed basically since people started recording medical medical diagnoses and mm-hmm. medical histories, and has existed in the folk in every major folk culture and every in every culture ever. So it's not it's 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 everywhere, you know. Some people say between 15 and 40 percent of people uh, experience a play uh, experience sleep paralysis of the hallucinatory variety uh, at least once in their life. Between 15 mm. and 40 percent. Mm. That's a lot of people. Yeah. You know. And what you have found out, and I've even just unofficially, in my uh, sort of nose the ground checking with people, mm-hmm. is that when you start asking people you know, particularly mm-hmm. Christian people even. Mm-hmm. You find out this is a pretty common incident. It it it's interesting to if see. people are comfortable enough to give you an honest answer. Well, that's, you make them that, comfortable enough about it. Yeah, and that that of course is always the big the big thing. But if you talk with people a little while and they're comfortable with you, mm-hmm. uh, inevitably you'll find that in, in a dinner table of four or five friends, at least one of them, and usually two, sometimes even three, depending mm-hmm. on who you're eating with, um, have had this experience. Some of them. Some people, it's terrible. 
Some people mm-hmm. have had sleep paralysis. Uh, one lady I helped about a year ago, well, six months ago, she had she had had multiple cases of sleep paralysis for the last eight years, every night of her life. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're in just a moment. We're going to define, try to get you to do a simple definition, mm-hmm. and then we'll get into the symptoms and things. But mm-hmm. anything else that led you to say God was calling you to focus on this? Uh, well, it was really, it was really just a lot of prayer, and I knew that. Um, uh, yeah, just a lot of prayer, just a lot okay. of prayer, and I really felt the clear leading that God wanted me to get involved somehow, and this seemed like uh, something that the need was just so ridiculous, you know, and not being met. Absolutely not. You know, as far as I, there's another guy who started about the same time that I did over in England, and we've conversed a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, other than the two of us, uh, you know, nobody's done anything, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. But let's do a very simple definition of sleep paralysis okay. for people who are not familiar with the term. Mm-hmm. They may have even had it. Did you know what it was called? Yep. Uh, and you're going to go later in detail with some of the detailed uh, mm-hmm. symptoms and mm-hmm. what they expect. But how would you say, if somebody wanted a succinct definition of well, what is known as sleep paralysis? Uh, sleep paralysis is the inability to move or speak uh, after immediately falling asleep or after falling asleep or uh, awakening. Um, uh, you might think of it like this. But you go to bed and you're tired and all of a sudden you were just about into a deep sleep and you open your eyes for some reason and you can't move and you can't, you can't move, you can't speak. And uh, within that, there's a lot of other things that, that happen. You know, sometimes people feel pressing on the chest. Some people feel, you know, strangling. Some people get dragged out of bed. You know, it's, it's weird, to say the least. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, can this phenomenon have incidents that are either spiritual in nature or non-spiritual in nature? Well, yeah, what I'm finding out, what I'm finding out, there's... Uh, I like to think of that, you know, in the Venn, Venn diagram sort of format. In one little bubble, you've got uh, sleep paralysis, which is sort of spiritual in nature or has a severe spiritual component. And then you have sleep paralysis, which is just, I don't know if natural is quite the right word, but sleep paralysis that is non-spiritual. And in between there, of course, you've got a little bit of overlap. Um, uh, you know, within the non-spiritual in, uh, incidents, you have... Uh, associated uh, statistical links with things like narcolepsy and other and other various sleep disorders, uh, but not really too much in the hallucinogenic type of a thing, you know. Um, and so there could be physiological reasons for some of them mm-hmm. that cause just some kind of physical thing in the body that causes you to lose like, mm-hmm. sensation or control mm-hmm. or things like that. Yeah. Uh, many scientists speculate that uh, between you know there there are several levels of REM uh, of of non-REM and then into REM sleep. Uh, many scientists speculate that just as your body changes from NREM to REM sleep, uh, uh, that's where most of your dreaming goes on. Mm-hmm. And what happens is your body emits this thing called acetylcholine uh, that immobilizes you. Now, if anybody's mm-hmm. listening. Uh, who's a doctor? You'll know that acetylcholine is used for a lot of different things. This is just one mm-hmm. thing. Um, now, they also do that anesthesiologists, don't they? Yeah. Actually, they do something to immobilize you, which is mm-hmm. what scares people when they, yeah, I actually, if they're not totally numbed, you know, to pain when they do mm-hmm. surgery. Cause that's, that's a very interesting, very interesting observation because one of the people that I talk with about this, uh, I've talked with about this in the past, used to be an experimental uh, chemist 
who was doing work on you know new ways to do to better to better be able to better induce uh, anesthetized states who had done a, a number of number of studies on sleep paralysis and stuff and found it some pretty weird results we'll just wow. say that um yeah. okay so yeah that's that, yeah that's interesting little sidebar there okay so you have some physical things where people just can't move and that's it mm-hmm but then there's a there's a whole another very large set of experiences of people mm-hmm. where there's other strange phenomena going on. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it could be spiritual, and we'll also talk about their symptoms here in mm-hmm. a moment. But basically, there are other things going on mm-hmm. uh, where they sense more is going on than just their body not moving. Yeah, yeah. With within the non within the non spiritual category of of sleep paralysis, I would say that what you have going on are uh, people who have, you know, they wake up and they can't move. They're not really sure why, uh, but they can still breathe. They can still see. They're like, whoa, this is weird. And mm-hmm. after about 30 seconds, they can move. Okay. You know, uh, I think I, w- I would say that I would say uh, I, there's quite a few people I've talked to who said, yeah, I've had sleep paralysis, but, you know. That was the extent. That of it. was it. Yeah. yeah. It was never, never any evil presences or anything like that. So within the... Um, Within the spiritual realm, you might say, and there is some overlap there, mm-hmm. certainly. Um, within the spiritual, uh, you've got all sorts of physical symptoms associated uh, with those types of events, like not being able to move, like we said, paralysis. That's really the common one between the two of them. You're not being able to move. You wake up. You can't move your body. Pretty much you can only move your eyes and you can breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the other one, and this is the one that is uh, reported the most after the actual being paralyzed, is a buzzing or whooshing sound that people hear upon entering the state. Um, okay, so now we're getting into some of the real symptoms of yeah, some yeah. of the spiritual things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, with, within this buzzing or whooshing sound, uh, you see this sort of thing cropping up in all sorts of really strange New Age areas. Uh, people who are into lucid dreaming ex- mm-hmm. uh, experience the same thing. My studies in DMT, mm-hmm. uh, when they gave the DMT drug that the shamans and others used in clinical studies, almost every time they had a buzz, mm-hmm. a buzzing sound that transmitted them into contacting other entities. Yep, yep. And I'm not sure what that buzzing sound is about, but it is a common, common experience to people who do, who run the gamut to, you know, opening spiritual portals mm-hmm. through drugs or uh, occult practices or crystal worship or you know, reading too many mm. New Age books or whatever it is, that buzzing or whooshing sound is is common. Uh, Do you know if Christians or people who have a high credibility of having had some kind of spiritual experience of seeing God have heard that same sound? You know, I've never asked anybody. I know there's a couple of people who yeah. have a lot have some pretty wild experiences who've had uh, good credibility, but I have never asked them that. Because uh, when you think about in the Bible, when these beings appear in the Bible, mm-hmm. he usually says they hear a sound of like rushing waters or the sound of wings beating mm-hmm. or things like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if that could have been their approximations of a similar thing of a portal transition. Uh, I've wondered that as well. The, the interesting thing about the buzzing or whooshing sound is nobody can really describe it. They They're like... You know, it's like a buzzing or two-tone sound, and then you'll hear somebody else say, and in an eyewitness, in a witness testimony, they'll say something. It's like, well, it's like it sounds like uh, a metallic sound, like somebody's drilling through the wall or something. Hmm. And then you get those two people together to talk, and they'll, you know, those are two completely different sounds, and they'll go, yeah, totally. 
You know, so it's, mm. it's it's almost it's hard for them to define. Yeah, as it, close as they can be. It's almost like that whole analogy of of the blind guys and the elephant, and one has the right. leg and one has the the trunk. And right. um, but yeah, about forty three percent say they experience the buzzing or the whooshing sound um, within that within that whole thing. Um, another one, and this is where uh, this is really where it tends to get more into a spiritual nature uh, is is the sensing an evil presence in the room. They wake up. And they've got, you know, something has happened, and they can't move, and maybe they've heard a buzzing or a whooshing sound that sort of brought them into this thing. And they're looking around with their eyes, and they can't see anything, but they sense this presence that is pure, pure hate. Pure, they, whatever is in the room with them, it is angry and mad and hateful towards them. Um... You'll, you you see this uh, you see this a lot with with different people. Some people they 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 just they they can't take it. Mm-hmm. They they say that is uh, the sense of hate and evil there. Just it's just it drives them mad. You know it, it it's mm-hmm. it's the it's the most intense hate that they've ever felt in those situations. Um, uh, another uh, another physical symptom symptom associated with that with with the more spiritual aspect is the. You know, we've alluded to it here. Is that some type of assault, uh, oftentimes involving like a strangling, or standing on the chest? Uh, you'll see a lot of folk cultures that will define this uh, like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, the old hag that stands on the chest is a loose translation and uh, from some African folk cultures. Um, you know, the the strangler or or other things like that. You'll find you'll find in all sorts of different cultures uh, around. I think. Um, in in Mexico, there it's known as it's known as the old hag or the old hag that and I w- presses I w- on your chest. I want to talk about later about different cultures because sure. that's a big part of your talk mm-hmm. is the is the commonalities that are there. Mm-hmm. But one thing I find interesting, I mentioned with this to you off air, is this idea of an old hag or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found out recently there's a term for it in people who study mythology is called uh, the old crone, C R O N E, and it's this old hag woman figure. Uh, who's usually when there's some kind of uh, magic, sorcery kind of thing mm-hmm. going on. And she was often associated with the mythological god Hecate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hecate, who was a controller of the portals to the spirit world, mm. was also personified as being this. And then actually made its way into Shakespeare as the old hag witches, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and different cultures and things like that. But there's always this feminine perso- you know, personification, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is very, very interesting. You see that um, there's, there's sort of like a big, <clears throat> when it comes to the assault aspect of it, um, usually there's something that people see in the room most mm-hmm. of the time in, in the assault thing. It's not just they're being insult- assaulted by an invisible entity. There's something there with them. Uh, and they're sort of like a big, you might call them the big three or whatever. You've got the old hag, which is in people clearly define as some personification of an old woman, mm-hmm. hence the name old hag, uh, usually dressed in either white or black, sort of a robed figure. Uh, and then you have the other thing, which is closely, it's like a robed figure, but it's different than the old hag. It's like a, you know, tallish type mm-hmm. of person, which is interesting because a lot of people who suffer from schizophrenia, uh, you know, their first onset of schizophrenia is that they're, you know, like on a playground or something or riding their bike. And it's like they look out the window and there's 
a, you know, an eight foot tall guy staring back at them. That's like a big roped figure standing right mm-hmm. there, just and they can feel it standing, standing there staring at them. Hmm. You know, um, uh, I don't know if there's a connection there or not. Yeah, I've only got so many hours in the day, right. unfortunately. Um, and then you have, and then you have all sorts of other uh, sort of then like the miscellaneous category. Mm-hmm. You've got like weird goblins and uh, just other strange, I don't know. Detritus, you know. Mm-hmm. But now, I think if I remember from your work too, that even before the, the acknowledgement of this figure in the room, there's a general f- feeling of tremendous fear that comes over. Yeah, just insane, insane fear. Um, and it's not like I. It's not just a little fear. Uh, one one lady wrote in and said, um, "This fear is so intense when I, if it if it comes between staying in that world." Or having my husband slap me in the face as hard as he can to get me out of it. I'd rather be slapped in the face. You know? Wow. Um, another guy wrote in and, and said that uh, one of the soldiers under his command, they were in, in, in conflict, in, in, in combat. And uh, after days and days out in the field of, you know, trading bullets with the enemy, what he had, what he had seen and witnessed was so scary that he said that he just wasn't going to sleep for the duration of his tour of duty. And, you know, they said, well, that's clearly impossible. And, you know, and he said mm-hmm. he didn't care. So he had been up for three days and, you know, they couldn't make him go to sleep. And Wow. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of people of my generation and younger of that movie, Nightmare on Elm Street, where mm-hmm. the, they were so afraid of something to get them in their sleep that they'd try to stay awake. Maybe that's why that movie day. was so, uh, so popular. Could because be. Because it was playing on a real phenomenon. Could be. Yep. Could be. Uh, we just have a few minutes left in this segment of mm-hmm. the show, but could you begin the process of explaining in the Bible okay. some cases of where you think similar encounters with beings and similar circumstances were? Sure. I know, I know one of them you'll spend more time later in the show, but okay. just introduce that and a few others. Well, well, one of them is, is the ability to appear to people selectively in visions. You know, uh, one of the things you'll find with sleep paralysis people is that, uh, you know, they're, in some cases, their husband, husband or wife will be there reading a book and they'll have a full on case of sleep paralysis and their husband won't see a thing. Other times, other times there'll be people, uh, you know, uh, another person, a Marine, wrote in and said that he had had a terrible case of sleep paralysis and every single person in his platoon plus another 20-odd people that they were all bivouacking together, mm-hmm. saw a ghostly figure hanging over his bed doing stuff to him. You know, and they went, really? they went, what on earth is that? And then, you know, after after a minute or so, the whole thing let up, and he tried to explain it, and they were all freaked out, understandably so. Yeah. Um, so you, you see this idea to appear to people selectively in visions, uh, both in Daniel 10 and, and I guess in Acts 9, too, you know, Spiritual being, um, you see things. See things like here. Let me grab it. Oh, this Bible's getting heavier every day. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, at that time, I Daniel. This is okay, Daniel. This is Daniel's yeah, uh, one, of, one of his contacts. Yes. Okay. Uh, I looked up and there was there was before me a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around the waist. His body was like uh, chrysolite. That's like a mm-hmm. Russian. Scientist name. I, th- I, th- I think that's like a uh, jewel of mineral. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. So and so he sees this person. He had 
eyes like flaming torches and arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude, uh, which is interesting because some people hear, sometimes they hear like rushing water. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So here you've got... I wonder what caused them to have terror over something they didn't see. Um, a very interesting question. Uh, that I, I would certainly say that uh, that spiritual beings have the ability to influence us, obviously, on many levels. And one of them, it seems like again and again and again, is to work on people, uh, work on people's fear or their sense of well-being mm-hmm. or these other things. You know, uh, Lynn Mar- but Now, this, these were godly beings in that particular mm-hmm. passage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lynn Marzulli has has talked about the whole idea of. Uh, I think on our last broadcast he talked about how, um, or maybe it was the next to last one he was on, where there were certain certain beings that, you know, they appeared before this person out in a field and he's, it scared him to death and then they changed their changed their visage and then uh, to be more human-like and it didn't, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't bug him. Right. You know, and then you have people like, uh, um, uh, well, even Whitley Strieber, you know, talked about mm-hmm. in his various books about, uh, about spiritual contact stuff, he said, what was going on to me, uh, I just knew beyond a shadow of a doubt was happening to me on many levels. Mm-hmm. So uh, between between all of those and Daniel 10 here, I think it's entirely plausible to say that what's going on is that these, you know, they can influence you, uh, influence your sense of fear and well-being. I wonder then if sometimes if we are, if we have a spirit of some kind of fear or extreme mm-hmm. emotion or something like that that mm-hmm. comes on us, we don't see anything going on. Mm-hmm. If that actually could be a presence of a spiritual being that maybe we don't even see or detect I otherwise would, yet. I would, I would absolutely agree. You know, possibly. Yeah. You know, we're, we're really right here at the end of mm-hmm. our uh, of this segment uh, of the show. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little taste of what we'll be encountering in the next segment? Or we're gonna sure. we're gonna look at some other Bible passages. Yeah, possibly. we're gonna look at a few out of the Bible passages, and uh, hopefully we'll get into the history of just looking at how widespread all this stuff is. You know. Yeah. Okay. And <clears throat> but uh, contacting spirit beings is not just something from the Bible days. It's mm. still something that goes on, and we're not just talking about prayer. Mm. To God, you know, we 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 as Christians believe that mm-hmm. uh, when two or more gather together, He's present in our midst. Mm-hmm. But the spirit world is alive and well on both sides, big time. And if people have ears to hear, they can hear that people are actually having these contacts. Mm-hmm. They can be defined. The Bible has answers to it, mm-hmm. and that's what this week's show and your conference talk is all about. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's bring in Merv uh, to tell our listeners how they can contact us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're coming up to the very end. We're going to have to say goodbye until tomorrow. Bye. So you're going to to come back and uh, resume our discussion on sleep paralysis? I sure hope so. It's going to get very deep. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to go. But until then, we hope your future is always bright.
Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, exposing Eliphaz the Temanite for who he truly is. Bionic. I don't think you've used that metal name yet nope. before. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you uh, again. Uh, this week, uh, we are now getting ready to start our second installment uh, of our interview, not with a third-party guest like we normally do on Future Quake, but our own co-host here, Tom Bionic. Mm-hmm who is not only co-host of the Future Quake show, but the founder of the Stop Sleep Paralysis Ministry. Mm-hmm. And what's the website for that? That is stopsleepparalysis.org. .org, okay. Mm-hmm. And the topic we're talking about is sleep paralysis, a modern connection to an ancient evil. Mm-hmm. And um, this is uh, something not only you've been working on, but you're going to be giving a talk about it mm-hmm. uh, on uh, April 23rd. I believe so, 23rd. yeah. I think you speak in the morning and I speak in the afternoon. Okay, yep. at the Last Days 2010 conference held just outside Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. If you want to find out more about it, and I think after you hear this interview, you'll want to come hear it and the other seven speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to last-days.net and find out the details of the conference. But uh, when we last left off, we were talking about some examples in the Bible of spirit contacts that give us a little insight from the Bible on mm-hmm. what it's like a contact like a sleep paralysis mm-hmm. contact. Can you proceed with some further biblical examples? Sure. Well, we looked at Daniel 10, and we saw that uh, this sort of spirit being selectivity sort of thing you know, was going on. Uh, this spirit being appeared before Daniel, and some people could see it, some people couldn't. And interestingly, uh, we saw here... Uh, that it also they also caused fear for for a reason that was kind of unclear, mm-hmm. uh, for even for the ones who did not see. Yeah, for the ones who didn't see, um, and that actually is very similar. That's kind of the next point: the ability to cause intense fear uh, among people, even though you don't necessarily see something. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that here in Job four, uh, amidst actual what looks to be like an actual case of like sleep paralysis. Uh, Job four. Let's see. Uh, I'll, well, I'll read thirteen and. Uh, I'll read 13 and 14 here. Now, we're going to go back later in the show and talk more in detail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, 14 and 15. Uh, now, fear and trembling seized me and made all my bones shake. Uh, a spirit glided past my face, and the hair on my body stood on end. Um, so what's going on here is is Eliphaz is a, is has come to Job. And Does that said, mean like his hair on top of his head stood straight up too? I hope not. Because in the movies, that's the way they always do your yeah, hair. Yeah, like little rascals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sound like his yeah. hair stood up on him. Yeah. Um, now, now, what we see here, verse 13, amid disquieting dreams in the night when deep sleep falls on men, that sort of sets up what's going on. Uh, fear and trembling seized me and made all my bones shake. Uh, and then a spirit glided past my face and the hair on my body stood on end. It's like, so there's all... So we see there's the fear first, and then a spirit passes before his eyes. So mm-hmm. some, he couldn't see what was going on, but something in the room or something around him made him have this intense fear. Yeah. Uh, and that's another characteristic we see of people who undergo sleep paralysis, yeah. uh, you know, the spi- of, the, of the spiritual nature. Um, by, by the way, that one you read about Daniel reminded me a lot of the one with Paul. Yes. On the Damascus Road. Mm-hmm. 
Wasn't it the similar thing? I mean, they were pretty limited on what they saw as well, too. Mm-hmm. They, his companions. They well, and that, it's interesting in that case because I believe they didn't see anything, but they heard the voice. Yeah. So uh, you have these things can can appear in all sorts of different limited senses. You know, right. Acts. I think what was it? Twelve. X twelve, where the the angel showed up and put actually uh, uh, took Peter out of the gate without making any sounds, without awakening any of those people. So I guess you mm-hmm. could you could certainly posit that it's entirely plausible that uh, plausible that they had some sort of a way to make them stay asleep, you know, mm-hmm. some sort of influence over their sleep stuff to, you, to bring them out. You know, the other interesting thing about that particular story is that when he shows up, I believe it's with the other believers and Phoebe, the mm-hmm. person, helper there, mm-hmm. opens and thought it was a ghost. Yeah. Well, there was a common belief among among Mediterranean uh, the Mediterranean there that every uh, every person that was alive had an angel that looked like them, and they thought it was Paul's gu- uh, Paul's Peter's guardian angel. Huh. That's that's one of the more uh, interesting interpretations yeah. of that. You know, they open it up. It's like, wow, it's an angel. Now that's not but then she shuts the door. So that's not necessarily biblical teaching, but that was no. just something that they had sort of picked up in yeah. the folklore. Yeah, that's like that. yeah, that's kind of their thing. Yeah. So there had to be some angel that looked like me. Yeah. I wonder what terrible punishment they were under to <laughs> get that assignment. <laughs> okay. Too hard on yourself. So, uh, so, so these are some of the different ways. Now, one of the things seems to come across is that the intended recipient of the message gets the whole enchilada. They get the full sensory experience, mm-hmm. whereas people surrounding may get all or partial. Yeah, they may they may get some or none or something in between. This reminds me a lot of that fellow Frank Felicia who came on our show Future Quake in the early yeah. days. And talked about when he was first assaulted by spirit beings, came into the room where he was, attacked him, and he said later his family members saw the spirit come in and saw it leave. And he pled the blood of Jesus at the time, mm-hmm. and the thing left. Yeah. Unfortunately, they convinced him to, to quit doing that. The love of Jesus, yeah. And and they, they came back at that stage. So those are some, some examples in the mm-hmm. Bible sure. that, that shed light that the Bible is not silent on this topic. No. The, the Bible says it happens. Uh, there will be contacts, and there are certain traits. That you know, one of, the things that, one of the things that, uh, and I may be treading on some toes here or something, but one of the things that makes me a little bit nervous is people who say that uh, everything in the world is in the Bible. It's like, well, how come I can't fix my fridge with the, with the King James? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the Bible is not a compendium of, every, of everything that has ever been done as far as the spiritual realm. You know, it's, it's a message of our salvation uh, and our relationship and our redemption. And uh, it's a sufficient Jesus. message yeah. for us to be able to live a life of what we need to know, mm-hmm. the revelation that God needs every one of us yeah. to have. Yeah, so it's... Um, to that end, you kind of ha- you you have to look at it and look for correlation and be a diligent student. Uh, but it's not you know uh, you know everything that you need to know about certain topics is not there necessarily. Mm-hmm. But a truth that would be expressed in Scripture is not going to be contradicted by absolutely, experience. which is why that's why it's sort of where you start and look for coherence mm-hmm. between the sleep paralysis experience and okay. You know, well, going away from Scripture for the time being, mm-hmm. what about other historical incidents? Are there some other things that you've seen in the literature, history? Gosh, we could do a whole that show sound just like, on that. That sound like sleep paralysis. Yeah, well, uh, gosh, sound like sleep paralysis. Uh, there's just so many, there's so many things that go on 
and people who've written about it. And, you know, as we sort of alluded to in, in yesterday's broadcast to, to open it up, there's so many things that have went on with it uh, and so many people who've experienced it. You know, it's just it's, it's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, right at about 25 percent of the population would be a good basic guess. Uh, historically, we see like sleep paralysis as a topic of discussion uh, amongst European and Chinese writers uh, for at least 2,000 years. Um, uh, this Greek physician, Galen, um, mm-hmm. examined the causation of the nightmare, or what he called the ephelites, uh, mm-hmm. during the 2nd century. Uh, and there's even a description of the experience in a Chinese book on dreams uh, dated to like right around 400 B.C. Now, Galen, just going back to him, he was the most famous physician in the ancient world. He was the big, and, and he his, was the big guy. His books were used right up through the medieval times, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he was the descendant, definitive medical journal. So yes. what people understood about sleep paralysis in the Western world would have been largely defined by a lot of his writing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it, yeah, it's interesting because he said it was he, – he took the non – uh, the non-spiritual tact, and said it was like a bit of uncooked potato. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was intestinal problems. Um, you see that uh, description descriptions of the uh, descriptions and cures for those suffering from what's called the mare or the mara, uh, depending on on uh, what translation you're looking for in Saxon manuscripts. Uh, we see those all through those, even though there's not. Well, there's not, there's just not a huge mention of symptoms necessarily, but there are a lot of mentions for cures, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Which, which seems to imply that it was sort of maybe common, you know? Right. Like, yeah. Right. Um, uh, one, one 14th uh, century manuscript describes, for example, how the nightmare uh, lay on top of people at night, uh, and you could cure it through, you know, various other things. Um, one of the other accounts uh, that we see that you had actually mentioned, uh, we see the phenomenon begin uh, to be included more and more in different written accounts in uh, things like Shakespeare. Shakespeare mentions mm-hmm. it in Romeo and Juliet, uh, Act 1, Scene 4. Uh, and please forgive me for not having a Shakespearean voice, but uh, this is the hag when maids lie on their back that presses them and learns them first to bear, making them women of good carriage. Uh, we also see one of the most detailed early medieval accounts of the nightmare experience concerning a 12th century English knight, uh, Stephen of Hoyland, uh, using using Galen's phraseology, mm-hmm. uh, a to describe uh, to describe another uh, attack of a demon, what he dis- attributed to a demon of um, um, you know sleep paralysis. We even see it showing up in the Salem witch trials. Yeah, that was one that really fascinated me yeah. in your research. Mm-hmm. Is that it was almost like some kind of major spiritual warfare going on around the trials. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bridget Bishop, who was one of the one of the major players in that, I, I can't recall exactly her her thing, but I think she was one of the accuser, accusers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she she has she wrote several attacks. Uh, she wrote about several nighttime attacks that she says were uh, caused by witches that lived there in Salem. And uh, were the you know result of sleep paralysis. Yeah, I got the impression from reading that 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 when they started being harassed by the community, mm-hmm. you know, and being called out as witches, mm-hmm. that that's when the attacks really picked up. Did I misread that, or was that? You know, you might be. I'll have to go back and look yeah. at that. I don't want to misquote myself. Yeah. Which is ironic <laughs> because the history books now think say, oh, they were all innocent. 
yeah. they were set up, you know, people had other agendas, and who knows what the real mm-hmm. story was. Mm-hmm. You know, they had these techniques where <clears throat> they threw you in the water, and mm-hmm. if you floated, you were a witch, and if you drowned, you were not. So. That, that's always been a very interesting thing, and I think it's, it's as a sidebar, it's something that we, ought, we as Christians ought to really, really listen to. You know, everybody who confessed to being a witch... Mm-hmm. You know, they stopped the torture and just said, okay, well, you're good. Yeah. Everybody who said, no, I'm innocent, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, as sure as, you know, mm-hmm. as sure as the nose on my face, was eventually put to death through torture. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, but if if there's anything to this understanding that I had about it increasing during the trials, it makes me wonder if in times of real spiritual struggle in a community, mm-hmm. even like a church body or something like that, mm-hmm. if there might be an increase in these kind of Absolutely. Events, because it's like stirring the hornet's nest. Uh, again, again, as another sidebar, what you see a lot of times is, well, sometimes people who, um, uh, occasionally good, strong Christians who are moving to a deep, the deeper, a deeper relationship with Jesus, uh, occasionally experience sleep paralysis. They'll have something will show up in their room and be like, "You're no good. You got to leave. Just give up now." And they're paralyzed, and they see that, and eventually they can say in their mind, you know, Jesus, help me, or, you know, mm-hmm. by the power and authority of Jesus Christ, you must leave, or whatever. Something that makes the entities leave, and then the next day it's like they've um, perhaps sufficiently entered into this deeper relationship with God. Uh, it's a very it's a very interesting uh, uh, manifestation of this phenomenon, for sure. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the... Um Areas that you you document an incredible amount of work with the different varieties as well as commonalities of these experiences mm-hmm. across different worldwide cultures, mm-hmm. and that's part of something that really helps reinforce the credibility that this is something legitimate and real. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about how it's defined? Sure, and, and feel free to take your time to okay share uh, this. I don't want to bore people too too much with this, so we'll go we'll go through some of them, uh, but. Just take my word for it when I say that it, it goes, every culture that has ever existed has experienced sleep paralysis as, as near as I can they've find. They've acknowledged it. Yeah. They, they've acknowledged and, it. As and even to happens. the point that it's a spiritual thing, too. Uh-huh. Many times, yes. Yeah. Uh, in Japan, and this is one of the ones that I thought was most uh, most interesting in Japan, uh, it's called Banashikari. And it is, it's just experienced by a lot of people over there. Yeah. And uh, in one thing I found was that there is a there is a church there in uh, in Japan that people would come in to talk to a pastor about this, and the pastor would share the gospel with them and tell them like, no, this is a spiritual, and let me tell you about Jesus, and I'll sh-, you know had yeah. an extended conversation with them, or probably several conversations, and they would end up getting saved, and then sleep paralysis would stop, huh. um, just you know gone. Yeah. So, uh, pretty wild. Uh, so much so that they had actually made a uh, a comic book, like a little manga yeah. comic book, and they were they were handing it out to people as a ministry tool, you know, even uh, with an evangelistic evangelistic yeah. bent to it. Uh, Creole culture, you know, mm-hmm. down uh, south of us there, mm-hmm. New uh, Orleans area. Yep, uh, it's it's known as Couchamar. Uh, Couchamar. Uh, it's interesting to see the the common cure the folk cure for that is well what you need to do is you need to go to church and get right with god hmm. and that's their that's their antidote wow um so somebody starts reporting these things about 
some some spirit in the room and not being on a move mm-hmm. and the oppressive pressing on them or whatever like mm-hmm. that. That's yeah. Their, yeah. <laughs> Go to church. Get right with the Lord. Uh, and Malaysian folk culture. Now this one this one kind of shocked me. From from the research that I did, it it appears that perhaps maybe as close to us uh, like ninety eight ninety nine maybe even a hundred percent of uh, Malaysian people have experienced sleep paralysis at one point or another. Judged upon polls or some kind uh, of sampling they've done. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a couple of articles that I saw where different people wrote about it, and they said that they would sit down and said, "Have you experienced uh, uh, Tindy, which is one of the two names for it?" And they go, "Well, I don't know. What is that?" And they uh, um, they'd explain it, and halfway through the conversation, they turn bone white and drop their fork and go, "I thought I was the only person who'd ever experienced that," mm. and you know, just kind of. Spill, spill their guts, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. about the whole thing. Um, so, and they said that they, every person they've ever polled like that, uh, as sort mm-hmm. of an informal dinner setting or somebody they're talking to on the street, a hundred percent of people responded that way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we see it again showing up in African folk culture. Uh, they call it in one of the folk cultures. I think I mentioned earlier. They call it the witch riding on your back, mm-hmm. uh, the witch attacking you. Uh, the Muslims of Southeast Asia. Uh, there's a myriad of symptoms for it, but they generally see it as uh, demonic or spiritual in nature, and they have they have uh, like Muslim shakes and um, uh, uh, what do you call it mullahs and stuff that will do sort of a Muslim exorcism on your house to mm. try and fix it. Uh, it, it. You get into a really interesting thing there with the Muslims of Southeast Asia, especially because in in uh, Shiite. Uh, in in Shiite uh, 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 Islam, uh, Shiite Muhammadism, it's not forbidden to talk to jinns, which are hmm. evil demons. You're you're yeah. allowed to talk to them, and in yeah. fact, and in fact, there are there are lines in the Quran that are like they're like gibberish, but the the one of the folky things about it is if you recite it enough and think about it. Uh, you can actually gain power from that and begin to control jinns and speak to these spiritual entities. That, that's what I read. Like it's okay to use them for your own purposes, like mm-hmm. put them to work or yep. things like that. Yeah, yeah. And you can actually, they can actually be used to do, you know, all sorts of stuff. People, people, people will come to these people and uh, who have these powers like this, and uh, say like, look, this person hurt me. Can you go hurt them back mm-hmm. and give them some money, and they'll talk to this gin and go and, you know, personal mm-hmm. have an accident, you know, fall, get sick, whatever. But these gins are also known for being very mischievous unless you put yes. them under control. And they are also known, uh, they are known to attack you and try and kill you if you don't, uh, if if they are, you run into one that is, you can't control and is stronger than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'll strangle mm-hmm. you. Yeah, this is just in the Shiite version, not in the Sunni, as far as you can uh, tell. I haven't, I haven't looked at the Sunni version, but I know it's in the Shiite version, and mm. I, it's also, it's also in, um, what's the other version of Islam? Sufism, mm-hmm. which is really right. more of an amalgamation of sort of animist and mm-hmm. uh, Eastern religion. It's definitely a more esoteric version. Yes, of, yeah. yeah. In, in Sufism, anything goes. Mm-hmm. So they don't have any problems with anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, Shiitism is. is the, the Shiitism is the interesting one because it's sort of more, it's it's more spelled out, if you will, as far as a religious code. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. China, also. Yep, China. Uh, China, they have that a lot. 
uh, in fact, all of those countries around there, Cambodia and Laos, mm-hmm. uh, it's known. Um, I can't remember the names to the Chinese and the Cambodian Laos one. The Hmong people, especially, that one, you get into a, we get into, you get into a whole real kind of a weird area there because there appears to be peer-reviewed research that links sleep paralysis, repeated cases of sleep paralysis, with sudden unnatural nocturnal death syndrome. Hmm. And that's do- that's not me talking. That's documented by, like, the CDC and the, yeah. uh, you know, the FDA and all these other other people who would try and study this and figure out why all of these Hmong refugees are dying. Now, one thing that I read that was absolutely fascinating about your research was that these areas in the Far East are really big in ancestor worship. Huge. And you were actually, they, they basically were perceived as gods. And so you were betraying the gods of your ancient family members when you became a Christian, for example. Mm-hmm. And it would not only cause problems for you as a new Christian, but particularly even for your other family members. Yeah. They would come after them through things like sleep paralysis. There was one fascinating story that I read that a, uh, a Hmong family converted to Christianity. They say it in part because they just got so tired of doing the elaborate ancestor worship rituals where you'd have you'd have to butcher a, a live cow in just such a way, and it would take hours and days to do. And they said, this is ridiculous. And so, uh, at least partly for convenience, they converted to Christianity. And one of the things they began to encounter was, you know, they would be out, uh, like in one case, out on a walk. And like grandpa showed up and they said, well, what, are, what are you doing here? You've been dead for like 10 years. And he said, well, you haven't been doing this ancestor worship stuff, right? So what you need to do is you need to drop all this Christianity and get back to doing, you know, the cutting up the cow thing. Uh, otherwise, we're going to haunt you and attack you. Now, a couple of interesting things happened. First of all, they said, well, no way and uh, ignored it. And uh, then Grandpa got just insanely mad because he couldn't get in. They, he wasn't allowed in the house. He couldn't get in the house. Hmm. So as long as they stayed in the house, everybody in the family was all right. They were all Christians. Uh, but the grandmother of that family started having cases of, of severe sleep paralysis. Grandpa would show up and say, look, I'm, you need to convince the family mm-hmm. to start doing this worship thing, ancestor worship thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she said, well, I can't, you know. And so he would attack her and oppress her repeatedly more and more and more and more and more uh, until she was suffering multiple cases a night of sleep paralysis and going, you know, going places that were seen to be outside of her bedroom and stuff. Yeah. Just just absolutely horrifying things. Um, it It's really pretty wild. The Hmong, Hmong are very, very right. interesting. So now, now, I assume you would probably agree with me that these are... Demons or some spirit beings masquerading yes, as absolutely. former relatives. Yep. Um, and and th- there are multiple reports of this, right? Mm-hmm. So what it makes interesting, and I think about um, when people immigrate to our country, mm-hmm. one good thing is is that they're, they're now being hopefully exposed to more Christianity and hopefully some of it good. Mm-hmm. And they might have a saving faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. But there can come some oppression when that happens sure. in localized spots. Mm-hmm. Because it's setting up, it's messing up the natural order of things in the spirit world, well, of where they think they have control and domain over people. That's the interesting. That's the interesting thing about this. Uh, there are a, a number of things that can lead to sleep paralysis, and one of them is uh, one of them is becoming a Christian or coming to a coming to a decision about who Jesus really is. 
Uh, I, I read of one person who did this and went, wow, well, I think, you know, uh, I'm going to go to sleep and sleep on all this, but the next day I'm going to wake up and I think I'm going to give my life to the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> that night they got attacked. They, he woke up with, he said something was just pressing on his head. It sounded like, it felt like somebody had hit his head mm-hmm. with like a 20-pound sledge and just had it there, that impact and that pressure was on his head uh, at that point. And uh, uh, at, at some point it mm-hmm. wore off. Uh, that's one of the interesting things. A lot of these people don't remember how they get out of the experience. A lot of people black out and then wake up and it's gone. And wow. It's very, there, there's, I think there's a lot there to be learned. You know, as some of these people, I wouldn't be surprised here in America if they have a grandmother or somebody else who just happens to be up praying for them that time of night hmm. in, in releasing them from it. I know a lot of grandmothers who will wake up in the middle of the night and pray for their grandkids or their children. Mm-hmm. And might actually break loose the bond of sleep paralysis. I'm I'm sure that I'm sure that there's a lot to that. I yeah. mean, uh, many is many are the times of the night when I'm awakened to to pray for this person or that person or whatever. Right. You know, and we don't realize what could be going on right at that moment with Absolutely. that person. Yeah. Uh, right then at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, any other? We're coming to the last minute or so of, of, of this segment of the show. Any other last ones you want to share as far as uh, historical? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll go with. Uh, we'll go with uh, Iceland. Iceland is very, it's interesting. Iceland's actually pretty animist too. 80% of the people there believe in ghosts, goblins, and uh, mm. little people, the wee people. Uh, oh. So they have a lot of, they have a lot of cases of sleep paralysis there too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes very violent, people getting attacked. Uh, a lot of these assaults end up having a sexual component mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Um, Newfoundland, Newfoundland is funny. Newfoundland and the Labrador coast. They've long had cases of sleep paralysis, and one of the things, one of the ways that uh, they say that you bring on the sleep paralysis is to say the Lord's Prayer backwards, and that causes sleep wow. paralysis. Um, and then one like way backward to do, masking. Yeah, one one way to do it, one way to get rid of it is to go to church and get right with the Lord and you know, give your heart to God. Hmm. So, sounds yeah. like to me that's a pretty good idea to do. Step one, no matter what. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. It? yeah, it's well, amazing how many people are blinded by their own iniquity, whether you have sleep paralysis or not. Yeah. Which also says, if people know that, that people really know in their heart where the origins of these kind of things yeah. are, and it's not the question of people don't know solutions; they just don't want to accept them. Sure. Now, sometimes they don't know it, and that's why your ministry is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have interest and you'd like to talk to us more about it, Merv can tell you how to contact us here at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're coming up to the end of another segment. Uh, we'll move forward in getting some details to hear now. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it's diagnosed. Any other kind of hints you want to give for our next segment of the show? Well, we're going to look at uh, we're going to kind of look at some of the uh, common medical diagnosis things because medicine is medicine feels that they have something to say about this, right. and you know, 
And psychiatry as well, too. Yeah, psychiatry thinks that they have a lot of, lot to say about this. And Tom Bionic and some other people who have actually experienced... Some other things to say. ...dealing with people <laughs> yeah. have some additional things, which yeah. we'll have in this part two. Sure. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go now, come back for the next segment with our own Tom Bionic here. And until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom It's good. I'm trying to out Dr. Future, Dr. Future. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, that just, one was a little bit more of an extreme one than usual. Just trying to make them interesting. I know, I know, I know. I, I, I really uh, shouldn't do that. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you. Uh, we're here in the middle of the week, and this is our third installment of our interview, not with some other third-party guest, but with our own Future Quake co-host, Tom Bionic, mm-hmm. who is not only the co-host of Future Quake, but the founder of the Stop Sleep Paralysis Ministry. And we're talking about the topic of sleep paralysis, a modern connection to an ancient evil. And I think this is a fascinating topic, and it's going to get more interesting in the, the next two segments uh, of our show. It's something that uh, not only you have your website, which is? StopSleepParalysis.org. .org, and you'll be talking about it at the Last Days 2010 conference at mm-hmm. last-days.net. Mm-hmm. And uh, since time's a waste, I want to jump back into our questions. Let's hit it. So uh, <clears throat> we mentioned about getting into uh, the medical part of it, but <coughs> excuse me, I've got one other quick question I'm going to ask. All right. I see this constant theme of a like a female entity, mm-hmm. a succubus or a hag or mm-hmm. something like that. Do you have any thoughts why that is a common theme. There's always a female personification. You know, it's interesting. There, that is actually one of three uh, normal, three classifications of manifestations that you see in these experiences. One is this female hag, the, you know, the old mm-hmm. hag or the old grandmother. Um, the other one you see is like a dark-robed figure okay. uh, that is much different huh. than the hag. And that actually, sometimes, in some cases, they actually appear together. Huh. The old hag will stand in the corner and then the other guy will will grab you and yank you out of bed or whatever. And then sometimes the old hag stands on your chest, and in the background, uh, the big robed figure is standing mm-hmm. in the corner. And then uh, the third one is is sort of like miscellaneous. It's it's you know it's like you know the you might say the more typical ghouls and goblins kind of a okay. thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because when I first thought of that, in, like particularly when you're talking about different cultures mm-hmm. that had this hag-like figure. Mm-hmm. It made me think of um, what's classified a crone, a C-R-O-N-E, mm-hmm. and about um, Hecate mm-hmm. uh, being part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, and, and that particular person in mythology was supposed to be a liminal god that controlled the portals of the spirit world. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any truth to the possibility that there is a personification of the spirit world like that? Uh, nothing would surprise me at this point. The more that I go okay. down this... They go down these roads, the more interesting some of these things become. Hmm. Um, it's it's very hard to really uh, it's just it's very hard to really investigate some of these things. One of the things that particularly in, in, interests me, and I I haven't quite figured it out yet, uh, but is a lot of people come out of these sleep paralysis experiences. Uh, eventually, some if they try and fight hard enough, they'll actually be able to move eventually a little mm-hmm. bit, and then. Um, and then the entity disappears as soon as they can move. 
Mm. Um, uh, other people, they black out and they don't remember what happened. Okay. Um, okay. And, and of those, um, I'm just, I'm really interested to see what happens during the, the blacked out period, but I don't have a good way to investigate that. All right. Well, let me say uh, uh, to our new listeners, if you just happen to be tuning in this week or this day, mm-hmm. uh, that this is a Christian radio show, and everything we look at, we're interested from a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. That's our yeah. our one fixed criteria that we use in trying to study. Yeah, I would all certainly, the other sources certainly of data. go back and look <coughs> at the, um, the the biblical some of the biblical precedents that we covered in. I guess it was yeah, yesterday's Tuesday, yeah, yeah Tuesday's yesterday's show. show, yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's how we look at it. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the medical aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if people are brave enough to go to somebody. That's a big if a lot And that's a, a small subset yeah. of people who say, this is bothering me so much, i got to get help. Mm-hmm. And they sheepishly go to their doctor. Mm-hmm. What typically will the medical profession tell them back what's going on or their mm-hmm. diagnosis or treatment? Uh, interesting. Interesting. A very good question. Um well, what happens is, let's say somebody shows up. I mean, I'll, I'll just sort of walk us through a quick diagnosis mm-hmm. here, typical diagnosis. Uh, somebody goes to his doctor and says, look, doctor, I'm having this thing where I wake up in the middle of the night and uh, I can't move and something attacks me, drags me out of bed, and it's a big black-robed figure, and I don't know what on earth is going on. It assaults mm-hmm. me and I can't breathe, you know, and it scares me to death. I need to fix this, so please, please, please help me. Um, they're going to do a couple of things. Uh, if the doctor is, if the doctor is not, if if the doctor doesn't regard you as crazy mm-hmm. and try and have you locked up, um, what they're going to do is they're going to go through and they're going to ask you about, do like a, a, ask you about your employment history, because some people who have really stressful jobs tend to have weird sleep problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who they're going to ask you about if you what your drug history is, if you're taking mood altering medication that might, you know, mm-hmm. lend shed some light on it. Uh, if you're taking uh, recreational drugs, then usually they can, that'll tell you something too. Yeah. Um, and on and on and on like that. They'll ask you about your family history uh, uh, because a lot of things like depression, uh, suicidal depression, a lot of these other, other things that uh, might be linked but nobody can really pin it down quite mm-hmm. uh, seem to run in families. So mm-hmm. they're going to ask you about all, yeah. all three of these things. And then they're going to do what's called a system screen or, or, or a screen or systems review, which is just sort of an informal way to sort of review all this information and make sure you're not hiding anything. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of a kind of a neat little psych trick, hmm. actually. Um, and once they've got all this stuff, they're going to go and try and make a diagnosis. If the doctor, if the doctor goes and reads a book on sleep problems, he might uncover a sleep paralysis thing. And what they usually do with sleep paralysis is they recommend better sleep po- habits. Don't sleep on your back, or if you're sleeping on your back, sleep that way on they your can't stomach. stand on your chest if you're sleep. Or, yeah, you sleep on your yeah, sleep on your stomach. Yeah, you yeah, stand yeah. On your chest. Yeah. Um, try and go to bed at a regular hour, uh-huh. and don't drink alcohol. Uh, now, do they have hard data that shows this really fixes the problem? Tenuous. Yeah, it's tenuous. The problem tends to go away after a little while. Uh, you know, usually people will have one or two hits of sleep paralysis, and then it'll be then they'll be done. You know, mm-hmm. and they'll be freaked out of their mind, but uh, it's done. You know, they won't have anything mm-hmm. again. So they go to the go to the doctor, and the doctor recommends this stuff, and it's, it's already, already sort of run its course. Yeah, it's already sort of mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people 
um, they'll uh, they'll go and they have sleep paralysis every night, and the doctor recommends doing all this stuff. And then they'll uh, uh, if they if having quote unquote better sleep habits doesn't fix it, then what they do is they either they either uh, uh, give you drugs, uh, clomazepine, uh, which is sort of a catch-all for a lot of different sleep things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, also we'll, we'll, we'll recommend that you go find a psychiatrist, uh, usually an mm-hmm. analytical psychiatrist, mm-hmm. if they have any faith in psychiatry. Okay. Um, so, I mean, uh, overall there's some problems with that, though. Scientists will readily admit that there is yet to be a practical way to study anything but the most physiological aspects of the phenomenon. Yeah. So all of this stuff, e- even the people who are non-spiritual will – will say things like, this almost happens like it's happening on many levels. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was a spiritual person, I'd say this is like, you know, demonic or something. Um, uh, that it has been experienced throughout the history of man, which you've already sort of reviewed, uh, and that with various people groups experiencing a similar, and in many cases the exact same phenomenon across cultures that mm-hmm. never spoke to each other right. and had no way to communicate, uh, speaks to the fact that this phenomenon tends to be emanating from something either inside man or outside man mm-hmm. you know that it's it's all coming from a common source is the i guess is the right point. right um uh so that so the medical officials will treat it like they treat other disease physical disease mm-hmm. try to change certain physical states to try to provide relief yes or they'll send you to a psychiatrist yeah what about the psych psychiatry community what will they do or what have they done to try to find answers to this. Well, um, that's a that's a very interesting thing because they haven't they've done some very overall bad things. Um, let's see. Bad in what way? Well, let's let's take let's take Jungian psychology. Okay. Carl Gustav Jung, uh, born in what was it Switzerland, I believe. Uh, he's born in Switzerland. His father was a Lutheran uh, pastor. Lutheran minister. His mother came from a long line of spirit mediums and tarot card readers. Very interesting mm-hmm. mix uh, for a marriage, certainly. But now his his influence on psychiatry would only be rivaled by Freud. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Huge. Hugely. Yeah. Freud or maybe, um, yeah, I, Freud, yeah. yeah, Jung or Freud. Uh, Carl Gustav Jung, uh, he said that his mother uh, would nightly be uh, attacked or even indwelled in some cases by uh, evil spirits. And uh, he could sense them when he walked by her room at night. Uh, and she suffered from depression and sleep problems. Uh, he, at a very young age, said that he had two personalities. One was a boy of young age, you know, in his mm-hmm. young Swiss boy of his age. The other was a uh, uh, like a personality of Royalty from generations ago, an ancient yeah. ancient royalty of some mm-hmm. some ancient culture. Uh, as as and of course the the science community accepts this great credible man in all of his work, whereas well somebody else with Christian talking about stuff, they're immediately yeah, industry. Exactly, exactly, and it gets it gets quite a bit weirder with 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 mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Young, Doctor Young. Uh, he at a at a young age he actually carved I guess what could be loosely described as a totem. Or mm-hmm. maybe even astropole, out of like a you know a small little piece of piece of wood, and put it in a little shoebox, hid it in the attic, and would go and write notes to it 
that he sort of mm. spontaneously wrote and would okay. go and lay the notes at the feet of the, of the little pole and sometimes go and talk to it and mm-hmm. maybe, you know, pray to it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, uh, uh, towards the end of his life, uh, fast forward. Well, the person that brought him over here, interestingly, was um, um, Mackenzie McCormick, I, th- I think, of the mm. McCormick Harvester yeah. fame. Yeah, yeah, Chicago. Yep, he was named the McCormick Center after them up there. Exactly, yeah. exactly. He was. Uh, he did a number of, uh, of very interesting things. One is that he underwrote all of Jung's trips over here, uh, mm. and really tried to spread Jungian psychology here in the American university systems. Really? Uh, he was also the third the third chair of the Rockefeller F- uh, Philanthropic Society. Huh. Uh, he also uh, towards the when he got into his forties, he decided to be to be like a more uh, maintain his the virulence of his youth, shall we say? Mm-hmm. He actually had animal glands implanted in his body uh, as as a way of sort mm-hmm. of keeping his youthful um, uh, spirit. And his ability would be able to help people who are mentally sick. Yes, he could use his okay yeah. tools to help those yeah. people who uh, weren't as well adjusted as he. Yes, Carl Carl Jung, uh, towards the end of his life, began being contacted. This is his own account. Right. Began being contacted by spirit beings, and uh, um, he initially was very afraid of that. And but then he decided that it was a good thing. And what he needed to do was take drugs uh, and have hallucinatory experiences to interact with these mm-hmm. uh, these beings in a more uh, for longer periods of time and really try and sort out what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he admits he you know he talks about things like. Um, uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, um, near-death experiences. He talks about that as if it's a real thing. It's not just some mm-hmm. sort of thing in your mind. Right. He talks about lucid dreaming as a real thing, like you actually are outside of your body. Mm-hmm. He talks about uh, astral travel and astral projection as a real thing that you are interacting with the spirit world as mm-hmm. well as things like the world soul and collective unconscious, mm-hmm. uh, other things. He was very, I mean, he affirmed a very, you might say, almost Eastern, um, right. Eastern repackaged uh, idea of a spirit world. But he's one of the few people of, quote, mainstream science mm-hmm. that was able to get by with talking about the spirit world and all this other kind of stuff yes. and still maintain his status mm-hmm. as a mainstream mm-hmm. teacher yeah. that's used in psychiatry today mm-hmm. everywhere. Yep. It's very, uh, <clears throat> the, I mean, we could go on. We could probably do a whole show. So, so he's coming it. to the help of people with sleep yeah, paralysis. Yeah, yeah. Typically, that that's one of the options <clears throat> is that you send somebody who's somebody who's got problems like this. Is you they send you to a psychiatrist who's uh, at the very least had a had a pretty serious smattering of Jungian psychology. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also might send you to somebody like a psychotherapist. Uh, you know, the other thing about this is that. You know, the, in a lot of cases, the very idea of uh, of like psychotherapy stands in um, stands in violent sort of uh, conflict with the Christian uh, worldview of absolute truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they 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 sort of talk about a, a view of truth that is not. Um, well, here I have it. Mm-hmm. I have it right here. Hold on a sec. She brought it with me. Yeah, uh, William James. Uh, mm-hmm. We actually studied him in. Uh, mm-hmm. Many of you may may know I'm working on a master's degree in theology. Uh, we actually study him as one of the people that you know, like what truth is not. Right, right. right. Uh, William James, one of the architects of psychopathology, delineates a very telling idea, uh, and he says that 
Truth is the expedient in the way of knowing. A statement is known to be true if it brings the right results. Uh, it is the expedient as confirmed by future experience. So let me ask you if I understand this right. Someone who embraced that p- point you just made in mm-hmm. psychotherapy, if they encounter somebody with sleep paralysis, what they're going to try to do is to figure out a way to harness it to have what we perceive to be positive attributes in someone's mm-hmm. life. Yes. In other words, if you can do it, perceive it in a way that makes you feel good, makes you feel better about yourself or whatever, mm-hmm. then it's okay. Yes, absolutely. It's just what you do with it. Mm-hmm. And that's really the scary. Hopefully we'll <clears throat> get to that. Uh, you know, before mm-hmm. before me and this other gentleman in England came along, uh, there was really nobody actively doing anything to try and help people and show them what I believe the truth of this phenomenon is. Uh, but there were a whole lot of New Age, mm-hmm. occultic, uh, man-worshipping, Egyptian mm-hmm. pagans, uh, just on and on and on with all of these different people who are into anything, anything goes kind of yeah. spirituality, telling them that it was in fact a good thing. You know, it would be like, to me, a medical person saying, yeah, it is true you've got uh, cancer all over you, but look at it positively. Look how you're losing weight. on the right side, man. You're, you're losing a lot of weight, yeah. you know, so mm-hmm. that's that's a good way to look at it. Well, it's it's particularly scary because you read a lot of these people who've tried these things, and they say they wake up and they'll report. Uh, I've I went back and forth with a few people on this, and they'll mm-hmm. say, well, I'm not having sleep paralysis because, you know, my Buddhist meditation helps yeah. cure it. And then you'll you'll do a search on their on their name, and you'll find that they're on another forum posting about how something showed up in their room, and the black robe figure said, "You need to worship me as a god right now." Mm-hmm. And it's you know, uh, so they're uh, I won't say that they're all talking out of both sides of their mouth, right? But, right. Uh, uh, These spirits can confuse people. And tell them what they want to hear. Yeah. one, one another Like person, a lot of Christian self-help books. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Another person reported that they, uh, another person wrote in and saying that they had the sleep paralysis. And then uh, after talking to a friend who was very into New Age, they just said they needed to embrace it and just um, give their body and mind totally over to the experience. And they would have some, you know, they would go into lucid dream states and mm-hmm. astral travel and all of these other things. Uh, and they would. They said the next night the same being came, but instead of strangling them, it gave them a gigantic hug. Mm. Mm. So. Well, that's sort of this Mr. Felicia we mentioned about earlier yeah. in our show. Mm-hmm. Similar experience he had. Just one final comment I want to make because I know we got a lot more to cover. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, when I went and spoke at the uh, that UN conference in Montreal, Triple uh, mm-hmm. IHS. Almost everyone, basically, that I met was a psychotherapist there. Mm-hmm. They worship pagan gods. They're proud of the pagan gods they worship. Mm-hmm. Most of them were working for the state. They were like child yes. therapists for children, and they admitted that they worshiped pagan gods. And you know that had to influence uh, yeah. what they were doing. In fact, um, some of their teaching, some of their learning in psychiatry maybe even got them in, involved in the middle of this. Uh, Wouldn't yeah, be surprised. Yeah, certainly with Jungian psychology, there is that connection. Okay, let's let's take a break from that and get back to the Bible. What do you say? Oh, totally. Um, can you go in more detail about the Book of Job mm-hmm. and uh, what you what we can glean further from the Book of Job? Okay. Well, the Book of Job obviously is the most ancient book in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Most most people assume. Um, and one of the things that we can glean overall from the structure of Job is that there are heavenly events that take place that we know nothing about, uh, yet these events affect our lives, sometimes in 
you know, terrible ways, such as right. such as Job. Um, we also see that, you know, interestingly enough, Job's friends try to impugn his character and get him to give up his faith in God. Uh, they urge Job's friend, Job's repentance for secret sin. Uh, they 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 say that he somehow impugned God in secret. Mm-hmm. You know, they tell him he has rejected God in secret and all these other things. And we see in Job four, Eliphaz begins to speak to Job and try to quote unquote comfort him mm-hmm. with all of these ideas. Um, and here, in fact, you see right at the beginning of this, uh, right at the, right in the, right in the middle of this chapter, when they really sort of start to pour it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Job, they have uh, uh, what seems to be an incident of sleep paralysis. And I'll, I'll read the verses here. Are you going to read about what the Spirit told him? Because I want I, I want to talk about what the Spirit actually tells Eliphaz. Oh. Yeah, we could we could do that. I, I I think it's very important. Let's. I think that's. I think that would be of benefit as well. Okay. Um. Let's. Let me read the actual experience first, and we'll sure. just sort of analyze that, and then go on from there. Uh. Verses Job four verses twelve through sixteen. Now a thing was secretly brought to me, and mine ear received a little thereof, in thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men. Fear came upon me in trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Then a spirit passed before my face, the hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before mine eyes, there was silence, and I heard a voice saying... Uh, So, let's back up here. Uh, Now we see that a... A thing was secretly brought to him, and, and his ear receives a little of thereof. Uh, so he's something's happening to him. I, I've always sort of likened that as like some type of like gnostic thing. It's interesting to see that several Bible commentators make this out to be like they sort of imply that Eliphaz is kind of like lying here, mm-hmm. like he's saying, like, look, I got like a secret for right, you, you know, to right. entice them into this. That none of this really happened. That this right. is all some sort of a it's made up. Yeah, made up. Um. It's interesting to note here in thoughts from in verse thirteen and thoughts from visions of the night when deep sleep falleth on men. Uh, this happens when the deepest sleep comes on men, uh, similar to what happens mm-hmm. when you know uh, you know we've mentioned that a lot of times people have sleep paralysis right for when they're going from REM or NREM mm-hmm. to REM sleep. You know, which is mm-hmm. the deepest right. part of sleep. Um, uh, we see that we see that the spirit causes intense fear. Now fear came upon me in trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Uh, before it causes intense fear, before he even sees right. the being, right? Um, it, you know, he can Check. sense it. Uh, yeah, yeah, he can sense it. I.e., um, we see that then the spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. Uh, Eliphaz is still there, even though mm-hmm. he is in incredible fear. Right. You know, who knows? Right. Maybe he's even, you know, paralyzed. Uh, then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. Uh, so we see the spirit passing before his face, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, then it goes on there. It stood still, but not, but I could not discern the form thereof, which is something that a lot of people tend to tend to mention mm-hmm. as well. In mm-hmm. the miscellaneous category of uh, hallucinatory experiences, it, if it's not a hag, it's not a, mm-hmm. uh, not a robed figure, hooded or robed figure. Sometimes they'll they'll talk about sort of a, a nondescript black mist. Okay. Uh, it's one of the one of the subcategories of of miscellaneous. Um, and then it heard a voice, of course, saying. Uh, so it's it it really sets the whole tone for the rest of what Eliphaz has to say to Job. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and and by extension, Job's other friend, Zophar, and what is it, uh, Bildad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the shortest, shortest man, man in the Bible. <laughs> Bildad the Shuhite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so all of these guys go after him and try to tell him he must have sinned or cursed God. Right. Now, it's interesting to see this because what happens in, in verses 1 and 2, the adversary goes before God and says, look at, you know, God says, where have you been? And, and the adversary says, well, I've been going going through the earth this way and that. Look at Job. Uh, if you take all his stuff away from him, then he'll curse you. Mm-hmm. And so that happens. He take, they take away all the stuff, and then they kill his family. And both times, he doesn't curse him. And so now we have the third time coming on, and here's the spirit that comes to Eliphaz. It's a lying spirit, similar mm-hmm. to, you know, 1 Kings 19, uh, 1 Kings uh, maybe 21, mm-hmm. verses ni- verse 19 through 20. Mm-hmm. It says it's a lying spirit. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Um, so it it it's it's there. It's it's really interesting and really sets yeah. the whole tone for for everything that they have to say. So it seems like to me that at that point, then Satan, his goal is to discourage a person following God, i.e. Job. Exactly. He thought he would discourage him by taking away all of his goods, mm-hmm. taking away his family, mm-hmm. then even taking away his health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having his wife there to sort of browbeat him. Mm-hmm. So he's done all this kind of stuff to. <laughs> discouraging yes. that still hasn't worked so then a lying spirit has to go and sends a message of further discouragement mm-hmm. that you're not you can't measure up to god's requirement and, sure. and you're mm-hmm. a liar on top of it yep um it's interesting that job doesn't you know job doesn't say that he hasn't sinned he just hasn't you know he it's just that he's really tried to follow God. You know, he's saying, right. "Look, I haven't done anything, and I'm going to wait on the Lord." And a feeling of confusion and discouragement mm-hmm. is what has come about, which goes to say that when that comes in our lives, it's a pretty good idea. We know who the author yeah. of that is. Very much so. And I don't know if you're like me. That's a thing that can come on frequently, uh, more know, than you would think. A spirit of confusion and discouragement. I don't mind. This may be revealing more than I need to, but I don't mind saying that. There are quite a few spiritual fireworks that happen in this ministry, and one of them is just some of the most intense, when I'm dealing with people, sometimes the most intense feelings of depression come on. It's just like you just see black, and then I hit the send button on an email or, you know, just call the person and work through it, and suddenly I'm fine, you know? Mm-hmm. And after the fifth time, you know, you realize what's going on. Yeah. So. And that's a real warning you should give. Not a discouragement to people to get involved in spiritual warfare, but you are going to have spirits that are going to try to discourage you as a part of it because you're starting to have an impact. Sure. If you sit on the couch and don't mm-hmm. do and just do feel-good stuff, they'll leave you alone. But discouragement is one of their main tools they use. I would encourage anybody who thinks to thinks that they're called to something like this, or full-time spiritual warfare ministry, that they really need to pray real hard about it. Well... But God still needs people doing it. I'm not saying don't. But I'm just saying be Get a partner with sure. <laughs> you. Get a partner that can pick you up mm-hmm. when they need to be picked up. Absolutely. And also know the know the tools of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Know that this is what the enemy normally does. Mm-hmm. Same for what he is. Same for what he yeah. is. Yeah. Depression. Mm-hmm. The whole nine yards. Somebody else we know is Merv who can come tell our listeners how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, 
and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're out of time. Speaking of fear and confusion. I want I want I know we got to wrap it up uh, yeah. tomorrow, but I want to hear what this spirit has because I think there's some really deep stuff in what the spirit says. So, okay. uh we're going to say goodbye, but until tomorrow in our last segment with uh, Tom Bionic, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, taken to the streets, just like the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, that's right. Bionic. That's right. You don't know me, but I'm your brother. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you again uh, for another installment of the Future Quake Show. And in fact, uh, today is our fourth and final installment of our interview, not with another guest like we normally have, but with our own co-host, uh, Tom Bionic, who is the co-host of the Future Quake Show, mm-hmm. but also the founder of the Stop Sleep Paralysis Ministry. And we're going to be talking about a topic we've talked about all week and concluding today called Sleep Paralysis a modern connection to an ancient evil, uh, and this is something that you'll be talking about at the Last Days 2010 conference on April 23rd. Conference going April 23rd, 24th. You can check it out at last-days.net. I highly recommend you go mm-hmm. hear this and the seven other nationally known speakers that will be speaking there. And your website address again is stopsleepparalysis.org. Mm-hmm. And people are coming from everywhere to it, right? Yep. Just people all over overseas, whole nine yards. Okay. Well, we left with a cliffhanger yesterday, mm-hmm. and I'd ask you a personal request. Mm-hmm. You were talking about Eliphaz, the Timonite, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, Job's friend, who's had an incident that sounds an awful lot like sleep paralysis in the mm-hmm. Bible. And there's a spirit that comes to see him and has a message. Yep. And I think when I looked at your material and read this message, it was... Uh, a real epiphany for me. So could you read? Now, I've given you an NIV copy just right now to read, so I'm not sure if it might be different than what you study. But could you share this a little bit about what this spirit told Eliphaz to share to Job? Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's let's pick it up here in verse 17 of chapter oh. 4. Okay, of Job. Uh, Job. Uh, so this... So to review, we've had this 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 spirit come before Eliphaz while he's mm-hmm. in the deepest of sleep. Scared him to death. And scared him to death. He saw this sort of indescribable thing mm-hmm. beyond description uh, and it says verse 17 can a mortal can a mortal man be more righteous than God can a man be more pure than his maker if God places no trust in his servants if he charges his angels with error how much more those who live in houses of clay whose foundations are in the dust who are crushed more readily than a moth uh, between dawn and dusk they are broken to pieces unnoticed they perish forever are not the cords of their tent pulled up so that they will die without wisdom? Okay. That's pretty interesting right there. And I actually, it's interesting, I actually think that goes on uh, right. somewhere in Chapter 5. I haven't quite figured out where the, I believe the the Spirit is still speaking. And at some mm-hmm. point in this in this commentary, it switches over to what Eliphaz actually said. Okay, okay, so there, there's more of Spirit. There's, there's more there, but, I, but let's not comment on that well, at this point. Can I give you a comment? I know it's your topic, but on what struck me when I read that mm-hmm. passage. Given what we have learned and discussed on Future Quake over the years, mm-hmm. we've talked about something called the Divine Council 
mm-hmm. our show. Uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Michael Heiser has been on one of the experts, PhD mm-hmm. work in the area. About, uh, if you go back and read your Bible very carefully, uh, there's an overwhelming case that can be made that at the time of the Tower of Babel, uh, the God, God gave over the 70 nations that were then allocated in the table of nations. In mm-hmm. fact, it says it explicitly, were numbered according to the number of the sons of God, Ben Elohim. Mm-hmm. These, uh, heavenly beings of very power, high power, mm-hmm. that were given over the administration of the nations, while at the same time God calls Abram for mm-hmm. his own portion. Mm-hmm. And he uses this as the next attempt to show to mankind the redemptive act, the kinsman redeemer brought to mankind. Mm-hmm. And so we see uh, Prince of Persia, these other kind of beings. But now these beings, if you look in the psalm, it says that they're going to be judged because they they don't do righteously, they don't do justice. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doomed too because they, they're, they're going to die like men. That's right. It yes. says they're going to die like men. So having known that and, and assuming that these creatures, even though they may be chaotic, generally they're all sort of on the same side, whether it's the angels that were cursed after they came down and cohabitated mm-hmm. with women, whether it was these sons of God or other heavenly creatures. Mm-hmm. They all know they're doomed. And so then they're trying to accuse us. We're, we're mankind mm-hmm. that has been told we have a kinsman redeemer, mm-hmm. the promise about the seed of the woman crushing the seed of the serpent and mm-hmm. her seed. Mm-hmm. So they know that we're in a special status. And here they're trying to figure out, hey, we're these powerful angels that had all this power in the kingdom, and we've been judged permanently, mm-hmm. whereas mankind is going to have deliverance from what happened in the garden. So they they have a you know a real chip on their shoulder about us. Mm-hmm. So knowing all that and assuming that they're aware of that, I interpret that passage you just read as them trying to discourage us and say, what do you think you are? Uh, you know, if God judges angels and if he does all this and does it, why would he not judge you who are so much lower than the rest of us? If you go back and reread that passage again with mm-hmm. that understanding, it appears to me that they are projecting what they understand the order of God and that if angels are doomed, how much more so mankind? How could they think they could ever respond? That's that's what stood yeah. out for me. No, I think that's I, I think that's that's uh, that's very possibly true. Uh, one of the interesting things about sleep paralysis is that uh, when you kick them out, and I want to and I want to save some time on mm-hmm. showing people how to deal with this. Uh, if you kick them out and get rid of them, what happens is that uh, they come back and they're mad, mm-hmm. and so then you throw them out again, and then they come back. Sometimes they come back one more time. One particular person, uh, I helped him out, and, uh, well, I didn't help him out. Jesus helped him mm-hmm. out. Um, they they emailed, and they said, yeah, now I did everything you said and all that stuff. And I'll tell you what, though. The next night I was laying in bed, and there was this voice in my room telling me, man, if you would just let me in, if you would just let me in back into your life, all oh, the things I could show you, oh, my gosh, it would just it'd just be so good. Just Just let me back in. Just let mm-hmm. me let me in, and so then he he kicked it out again, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's 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 yeah it's same lies the garden. Mm-hmm. I will illuminate your eyes; you'll be like gods if you just you know exactly do what I say. Yeah, and uh, but to me that was you know it was a lie mm-hmm. because they hate and despise the mm-hmm. fact that God in His own grace has chosen to give us an opportunity to in fact make us sons of God. Mm-hmm. And it says all creation waits for that. Mm-hmm. And so it says, you know, angels are curious to look into these things. And obviously, whoever these beings were uh, either uh, didn't fully understand 
the the hope that Job and the rest of us had, or mm-hmm. they just wanted to discourage Job anyway. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a sour grapes kind of thing. Yeah. They exactly. wanted to destroy me. I don't mean to stay on it. Thanks for sharing that with me. Mm-hmm. If there's anything else you want to share with Job, I know you have another interesting thing about the Ten Commandments to share too. But gosh, I really could get we could really get into it. Um, what's interesting is later on in Job, um, let me see if I can find it here. Later on in Job 33, uh, if you heard hearing, uh, you see an actual another case of sleep paralysis uh, where. They actually have, uh, let's see if I can find it. Oh, I don't know if I can find it. We may have to wait on that, That may be a homework assignment yeah. for our listeners. Um, uh, what you see, actually, just real quickly, what you see is that uh, the people have this uh, sleep paralysis. Oh, here it is. Uh, Job, this is Elihu talking mm-hmm. to both Job and, by extension, Eliphaz, Bildan, and Zophar. Mm-hmm. Um here he says in Job 33, verse 15. I'm sorry, let me back up. Verse 14. For God does speak, now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds, uh, he may speak in their, ears, in their ears and terrify them with warnings to turn man from wrongdoing and to keep him from pride, to preserve his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword. Um, so and that's actually one of the most interesting things about sleep paralysis is that sometimes it really does function as sort of a warning. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the common things does, that... Does this mean whether, does would it have to be a godly spirit to create a positive effect, or could God use even an evil spirit to do something to shake up people to oh, turn I think, right? I think it's... I think absolutely God could use anything he wants. Uh, we see mm-hmm. that in, right. we see that, we see God actually speaking to a lying spirit in First Kings where Micaiah is talking to, I believe it's Ahab and Jehoshaphat, and he says, thus I see God high and lifted up in his kingdom, and uh, he says, who is going to go deceive uh, mm-hmm. Ahab and Jehoshaphat? Right. And, uh, you know, all these spirits say this and that, and then a lying spirit comes forward and says, I will do it. And God mm-hmm. says, go. Right. But now a negative consequence happened to the recipient of the message, though, right? Uh-huh. But there are times when God can use, for example, uh, trials and tribulations. There was a, wasn't there a spirit of Satan to buffet Paul? Yes. But he recognized that there was something positive that could come out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was there for a reason. And it was, it was under, you know, it was under God's control. Mm-hmm. But I say that very carefully because that doesn't mean that they should stay. No. That they they should go, and if anything, it should be something that should turn you to the Bible, to God's word, to the truth. Anything that goes away from it, you know. Well, and that's it's not under God's. And that's why purview. I think in this case, Elihu was re, or Elihu was really saying something truthful. That sometimes God does this to say, look, there really is a spirit world, and you cannot handle it without me. Mm-hmm. So you need to change. You need to get serious about this. And sometimes people do. You know, they mm-hmm. wake up and they go, I, you know, I'm emotion. This is the craziest thing that's ever happened. Yeah. I, you're right. I need to repent about this and I need to get right with the Lord. And they do repent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other people who do not. And they, uh, they give their lives over to, uh, Egyptian paganism. And the next night, uh, instead of, uh, neck, you know, a hand strangling them, it's mm-hmm. the warm embrace of, 
what they interpret mm-hmm. as a lover or something. But that embrace is short-lived because there will come a day of judgment, and the one who's embracing them may be one being sent off to the fiery lake of fire, mm-hmm. and that embrace is bringing them right along to the lake of fire. Exactly. It's funny because even in a lot of cases where people uh, people say, oh, no, 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 this is cool. It was scary at first, but then mm-hmm. it was part of a spiritual awakening that I had, a spiritual quickening, and I'm evolving as a light being. Uh, and now my, I don't have these experiences. And you talk to them, and once you gain their trust, uh, everyone that I've gotten that far in a relationship with uh, has said, well, okay, all right, so not every experience is good. Once in a while I have still have something that's just absolutely horrible, but 90% of them are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while they even get to see sort of the original experience. And then when you question them, you say, look, doesn't it concern you that you have learned to love something that you knew at first in the pit of your soul was evil? Right. And they go, yeah, but you can't trust that. You know, mm-hmm. you have to just kind of, you mm-hmm. know, go with your crystal, your inner inner chakra crystal. Mm-hmm. And and I believe God will judge us based upon the truth we reject. Hmm. Interesting thought. A lot of truth rejecting going on. Yeah. Uh, I know we're getting late into our last segment here, but could mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about something I thought was fascinating about the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. and how you think even they shed light on the nature of spiritual contact mm-hmm. and talk about rejecting truth, what what God says um, are the consequences of entertaining willingly mm-hmm. contact with these kind of spirits. Okay, we'll, we'll try to go through these real quick. Um, the Ten Commandments get... Now, the Ten Commandments get chopped up in a few different ways by different religious uh, traditions. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if we were to sort of stick with the Anglican slash Reform slash Orthodox slash, I guess, even evangelical distinction of the Decalogue, uh, we see the first four commandments uh, being uh, affronts to God and not necessarily against man or your neighbor, you know. Uh, so we can actually go one by one through these first four commandments and see that they all sort of broadly describe uh, causes, potential causes of sleep paralysis. Uh, Exodus 20, 2 and 3. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, sleep paralysis occurs often with those who have, who have a background who are active in the occult, New Age, or animist religions. We talked earlier about uh, the Hmong people. Right. You know, uh, very animist. Between 61 and 73, fully one-third of the Hmong population was displaced uh, as due to the sort of what they call the secret war in Laos. Um, and in that time, pe- because of all that, a lot of people, as you said, gave up their mm-hmm. religion, this animist religion for Christianity. Uh, and that's when we saw this sudden unnatural nocturnal death syndrome become a legitimate um, uh, a legitimate thing mm-hmm. uh, in there. So uh, having, quote-unquote, having other gods before people, lend yourself to this. I mean, okay. undoubtedly. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Exodus twenty, uh, verse four: Thou shalt make no, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Uh, another thing that seems that seems to trigger attacks of sleep paralysis are various kinds of talismans, books, crystals, shrines, or anything that's obviously non-Christian. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that gives a likeness of God. Uh, a non mm-hmm. Christian God, uh, really the, anything that could be in a sense deemed a cult, New Age, or anything that might qualify, uh, sort of qualifies to that. You know, books. You know, it's not really a, books, talismans, crystals, and stuff like that. 
Um, you run into that a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Exodus 5, 20, 5 and 6. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. One thing that can predispose people to have occurrences of sleep paralysis are family members, especially parents and grandparents uh, who were into high levels of Freemasonry, uh, openly practicing witchcraft, uh, Satanism, uh, the spiritual aspects of yoga, especially kundalini yoga, or anything that would conflict with the singular message of salvation of the Christian gospel. Uh, one woman wrote in, she was having severe problems uh, with all of this stuff, and uh, and her parents, who were avowed Wiccans and Satanists, had been involving her in rituals since she was very young. Uh, she was emancipated from her household when she was 16 and became a Christian shortly thereafter. Uh, she had terrible cases of paralysis for years, and when she had, when she, uh, we went through all the stuff, and she would get better, and then it would get worse, mm-hmm. and then it would get better, and then it would get worse. Uh, and when she renounced the generational sins of her parents, uh, and even her grandfather, who was, uh, who was, he was buried in a giant pyramid. I mean, that's wow. yeah, that's how wow. he was. Uh, well, giant. It was like a six foot tall pyramid in the graveyard. Sure. Um, and uh, asked Jesus to stand in the gap for her. Her sleep paralysis stopped. You know, like dead in its tracks. Um, so generational sin crops up here sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be careful with that one because sometimes you can really end up chasing your tail. Um, Exodus 20, verse 7. Thou shalt not make the name of the Lord thy God, take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Uh, those who consistently blaspheme God occasionally have limited occurrences of sleep paralysis. Uh, though oftentimes these people tend to get sucked into the new age aspects of lucid dreaming and out-of-body experiences, which I guess could be, you know, mm-hmm. loosely defined as blaspheming God's name. Right. Um, and that winds up being, you know, there's a whole manifestation there of people who are, uh, they use that as a gateway to out-of-body experiences. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, there's one person who all runs around the internet putting up videos that they've taken uh, uh, people... Uh, videos, you know, done for, made for TV kind of documentaries on this and uh, taking part of it and uh, going through the medical thing and then interspe- interspersing sort of short five-second things that you're almost not even sure you're watching that's saying, this mm. isn't medical, this is your energy body waking up. And then wow. it goes right back. It's it's fascinating. Uh, I, it's, uh, it's it's dark when you realize yeah, what's going on. Right, but, right. Uh, I was actually asked mm. to analyze it by somebody and... I had mm. to watch it ten times to really get it all, but it's 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 uh it's very mm. subtle. Uh, Exodus twenty eight through eleven. Uh, now this is the most interesting one, mm. I think. Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Uh, six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but mm-hmm. the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, uh, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy mm. maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within the gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now drastically overworking yourself or not getting enough sleep, often combined with drug use or work stress, mm-hmm. as well as some of the other sinful behavior that seems to bring, uh, some other type of sinful behavior, tends to bring on particularly strong cases of sleep paralysis with some people. Okay. Um, there are a lot of stories of people who go out and have crazy party nights, 
like Friday night, don't go to bed and keep on partying all day Saturday and go to bed sometime Saturday night or even Sunday morning. And uh, we don't often think of overworking ourselves Mm -hmm. uh, as particularly sinful, but it's interesting to note that within the Ten Commandments here, the thing that God talks about the most uh, uh, is explaining and expanding upon keeping the Sabbath day holy. I don't know anybody who's ever tied keeping the Sabbath and those kind of things toward a form of spiritual protection. That is a fascinating I know. Isn't that interesting? Well, now you've, you've read, what, four of the Ten Commandments that yeah, relate to our relationship yeah, with God? Yeah. What, what I take from that, and we're in the last few minutes of our show. I want us mm-hmm. to wrap up here. But what I take from that is that when those were given, the people were brought before the mountain, Mount Sinai, and they saw... So almost like a portal open, a portal open to God coming down. And as much as they could see through the cloud up on the mountain and mm-hmm. lightning, they were introduced through this portal to their God. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he's giving them commandments to help protect them from opening a portal to other gods. Mm-hmm. So it was a way not only being faithful to him, but protecting themselves, even though they may not have even fully grasped all of that. Yeah, for anybody who knows me, uh, who, has, who has eaten with me or watched me cook, they know that I really like bacon. And mm-hmm. I always use the the bacon analogy because bacon is super good, mm-hmm. but it's super bad for you. Yeah. You know, when God said don't eat pig, yeah. you know, it's like, it's because it's really bad for you. Yeah. Even God. though it's so good. Yeah, you know? I understand. Yeah. I understand. Uh, <clears throat> putting all this data, and you've got a lot more pers- yeah, that, that you could share. Mm-hmm. Um, why should this be an issue to matter to us Christians? Some people may say it's just sort of a far-out kind of curiosity. Oh, you know, we should probably just not worry about it. People are getting saved by it. Yeah, I don't hear a lot about it in the news. Yeah, I know. Um, Sleep paralysis appears to be more or less motivated um, by rage on the part of the spiritual entities involved uh, with sort of spiritual deception as secondary. And any time that the enemies of God want to do you harm should cause Christians... Concern. That mm-hmm. should be something you're concerned about. Mm-hmm. Your life in God is your number one thing. Everything mm-hmm. else needs to be on needs to be on a list that's secondary. You know, like um, so these beings that are around. Uh, you see people all the time on chat rooms and message boards. They see the being as evil, and they know the being as evil, uh, but they are atheists. Yeah. And so they will say, okay, look, I don't believe in any of this stuff. I just need to make it stop. How do I do that? Mm-hmm. And then you, you, if they contact me, I tell them. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people in the occult world say m- many different things. And um, uh, so we have people that are atheists who are completely closed off to all of the spiritual stuff. Yeah. Uh, having their eyes at least, you know, opened a little bit to it. Uh we see people that are getting saved through it, you know, people that are rededicating their lives to the Lord through it, mm-hmm. um, people that are changing everything about them, what they do, because they are introduced to the reality of the spiritual world through it. And there are Christians who are having things like this and don't know it's a spiritual origin. They have uh-huh. not even been told to address it like they would spiritual warfare. That may be the saddest aspect of this. Our, our brothers and sisters... Uh, who you will meet in a church if you know people well in your own church. I guarantee you, if you you're get sitting, relaxed around the table, if you're sitting at breakfast with six of your Christian brothers, explain sleep paralysis to them, and at least one of them will have had some sort of yeah. an experience with it. In some cases I've had with folk, I mean, these are Christian folk, mm-hmm. more than one out of six. Yeah, well, yeah, usually, 
Usually it's much higher than yeah. one out of six. One out of six is a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Now, the data you said was closer to 40% oh, in the public? That's the high number, yeah. In the public. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of people to be ignoring as the body sure. of Christ. Sure, and those people are scared to death. There are people. There are people right now, as I'm as I'm saying these words, uh, who just woke up from a nap, or just woke mm-hmm. up from you know sleeping, yeah. and something happened to them, and they are furiously. They're looking through every medical journal they can find. Mm-hmm. They're typing how to stop sleep paralysis on the internet, and they are freaked out. They they saw mm-hmm. something. It is serious, and they can't. This may be the second mm-hmm. or third time it's happened, and they can't get it to stop. And that's exactly where Christians need to show up. You want to talk about somebody who's motivated uh, to find out the truth about something. If they yeah. can't stop having sleep paralysis, they are motivated to find to find God. They're white in the harvest. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so uh, we, we've got about two minutes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is being done now to address the problem, and how would you recommend individuals obtain deliverance from the torment? <sighs> okay, well, if you're having... This is, you know, this whole show, you could almost say, is like showing, uh, uh, you know, what we're not sort of doing with Ephesians 6, you know. That's, that's one of the under, under mm-hmm. one of the subtexts, you know. Myself and another guy are really the only two people actively doing this. Um, what I would say is uh, when an actual event occurs, if you're having sleep paralysis, what you need to remember is that you as a believer have power and authority. Uh, if you are a born-again Christian, God views you as literally part of Jesus, as an ingrafted branch through the Spirit. Now, when something like this happens, say, uh, by the power and authority of Jesus Christ, you have no right to be here. You must leave this instant. Uh, now, a couple of cautions. Don't use any I statements and never say something like, I command you to get out of the room. It has to be Jesus' power and authority and, uh, that, that allows you to command these things out of your life. It's not saints. It's not Mary. Mm-hmm. It's not your pastor's you know, surname. Right. It's Jesus. Even if you can't move or, or talk, even just saying in your head, Jesus, help me, uh, will will make the entities disappear. Uh, here's a possible prayer. And I would recommend, if you're having this, mm-hmm. saying it a few times okay. and practicing it. Because sure. they have a way to cloud your mind, demons. Sure. By the power and authority of Jesus Christ, the demons and spirits have no right to be here. They must leave this instant and never return. Um, yeah. Okay. It's in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. The power and authority of Jesus Christ. And the good news is people can find deliverance. The, the cool thing is, is people use this exact phrase and the experience stops in mid-sentence. Well, and if you do not know Christ as your Savior, you don't need to stop there. You need to ask the Lord to forgive you your sins mm-hmm. and to take His righteousness upon you. Because he also said, do not glory that the demons respond respond to your commands, but that yeah. your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's what, exactly. all, that's exactly. what it all comes back to. Yeah. Uh, we've got to go. It's the end of our show. But we will have your website, mm-hmm. which is stopsleepparalysis.org. Yes. Uh, it'll be at where the uh, past shows tab is here, Future Quake, mm-hmm. uh, and they can contact you through that. Correct? Yes. There's, there's one way or the other. We will make sure that yeah. they get to somebody who can give them help. And uh, there is help and hope, deliverance from these from these creatures and from the penalty of your sins and Indeed. eternal judgment. So all of that is available to us. Uh, and someone else who can tell you how to contact us is Merv. He'll tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. 
Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're in the last few seconds. All right, man. There's more you had to say at the conference, right? Yep. And I'm going to stay on your case until you put this into a book. <laughs> okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we, we look forward to feedback from you on the show. we got to go. But until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, not a classified U.S. military video, Bionic. You're saying you're not a video yourself. And I'm not in one as far as I know. Oh, not in one. Okay, because yeah. I, I thought you were saying you're an inanimate object. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, again, this is a Future Quake Show. If it's your first time here, you're in for uh, quite an experience. If you've not yeah. been to Future Quake. If you've got a crash helmet... Laying around, you might, on. Want, you might want to hit pause and just strap it in. We welcome all people of goodwill to the Future Quake Show. This is a Christian show. Mm-hmm. It comes from a Christian worldview. Um, but we try as best to do an unvarnished review of what's going on mm-hmm. in the world around us. Indeed. And Fridays is always special. Monday through Thursday, we have our interviews this week with uh, Brother Chris White. Uh, and Friday is what, Tom Bionic? Well, Friday generally is the day... That I have, that I cook, like up at uh, up at my work, I do a real nice meal for yeah. everybody. Yeah, and uh, well, I'm so glad you got that clarified for our listeners. Yes, uh, it's very important. Uh, it's also called tomorrow's tremors or today's review of the future's news or Revelation 18 news. Could be Revelation. Look up Revelation 18 if mm-hmm. you don't know what we're. I want to go read that. Yep. Yeah. Um, first of all, it's it's good for me to be back. I'm happy that you're here, bro. It's it's been sort of awkward trying to keep the show. We we've Try our best not to do a rerun. Yeah. And since we've been on WNO for soon to be in our third year, never had a single week's rerun. That's wild, isn't, isn't it? That amazing. Yeah. For two uh, goofs like you and me. Well, I tried. I week. tried impersonating you at some some personal appearances, but people just weren't buying it. Yeah. Were you kiting checks or something like that? Yeah. I was. Yeah, that's what I figured. Selling watches. But it's good to be back. Um, I had a had a miracle actually happen. Really? On my, yeah. And it was like sort of uh, some kind of uh, uncanny replica of Hanukkah. What? Because you, know, um, you know how Hanukkah, they had the, there was a little bit of oil left in the temple for the menorah, uh-huh. and it burned for all eight days when it wasn't supposed to. Oh, I think I know where this is going. Well, when I had to get on the airplane with Mrs. Future, mm-hmm. I only had one of those like little two-ounce bottles of uh, sh- shampoo and body wash, mm-hmm. body soap. Yeah. And it lasted for eight days. Wow. That little tiny bit. So I don't know not, if that's what's that a sign of. Just not shower? Or? Made me think of Hanukkah. Wow. That's amazing. So, I thought you were going to say that like, you just put a little bit of body lotion on and went out and sat on the sun and, and well, you've burned for eight days. Yeah, I did, I did burn. 
I did burn. It was like that Satan is Real uh, album cover. Yeah, yes. I was in <laughs> chest is in flames right now, actually. <laughs> Sorry. But it's good to be back. It's good to be back yeah. there, buddy. Uh, did you hold the fort down spiritually in this part of the country? Yeah, spiritually and psychologically, and I, I did all your personal appearances for you. Okay. As I said, some people didn't really buy that I was Dr. Future. Yeah, so yeah. I thought it was taller. Yeah. I don't know. It yeah. doesn't look like the photo. It's much more handsome website. than what I thought. <clears throat> well, I had some interesting experience on the trip, uh, and I can't talk about it all today, but went to a behind-the-scenes uh trip with Mrs. Future to the Disney Empire of of uh, the different theme parks. And boy, there is a socio-political message there mm. that is really sort of exposes the underbelly of what we think of American culture is um, and Americanism. And I guess with with my sensitivities based upon what we've covered in our show in the last few years, mm-hmm. it's um, it sort of picked me up that there's a story there. And so maybe in the future I'll be telling you more about... Uh, there are multiple, multiple levels of deception we have been exposed to as an American people, yeah. and it goes back generations. You know, you know one good way to get rid of that. What's that? To take a Louisville Slugger and turn your TV off with it. Okay. And then just chuck it out the window. Yeah, that's and another good way too. Get rid of those alpha waves or whatever yeah, comes off them too. And, and then you're you're taking care of many levels of propaganda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you got to do that with the movies and everything else that we have come across. Yeah. No. You know. I mean. Everything. Chuck it all out. Chuck yeah. it all out. Yeah. And just listen to Future Quake, basically. Yeah. yeah. All day. Yeah. Hey, can can we mention about a funny experience we had a few minutes ago? Uh, the time of recording. Dude, tell it. Uh, <clears throat> Tom Biotic and I rarely get an opportunity because we're busily, you know, getting together for the show. Uh, we got a chance to go for lunch right before our taping here mm-hmm. and uh, see a guy all decked out in Masonic stuff on his bumper. I mean, just I mean, he even had like little Masonic emblems on his taillights. That mm-hmm. tells you somebody come in. And uh, we're just thinking about all that we've had talking about Freemasonry in years past here. And... Uh, then it turned out we we end up pulling next to him at, at a traffic light, slightly ahead of him, but where sort of the back of the future mobile mm-hmm. was next to where they were, and it just hit me. And you and I were talking about how the pictures of the battle that you and I are battling on the side of the future mobile mm-hmm. with the Bible over our head, zapping all of these forces of yeah. evil, New World Order, and one of them had a big Masonic emblem, yeah, big compass and, and everything, Bohemian Grove mm-hmm. thing on there with a big cloak and a big skull, you know, yeah. on and. Uh, I wonder if he's seeing that. And then you said you looked over and you could see him looking at it, sort of shaking their heads. Yeah, yeah. I could look through. I could look in your rearview mirror, which looked out the yeah. window and gave me like a facial, uh, you know, a shot of what they were doing. Yeah. He was the wife was reading it, and the husband they were looking at it. He kind of got more and more skeptical. Yeah. And then something he saw, he started chuckling and rolled yeah. his eyes and looked the other way. Well, I'll tell you what. If God told you all to remember that website or the radio station on the side, uh-huh. and you're listening right now, I want to tell you that Tom Bionic and I prayed for you mm-hmm. at that spot, and we prayed for your deliverance, mm-hmm. and we prayed that God's blessings would come on In you. In fact, why don't all the people that are listening to this right now just pray, just take 10 seconds and pray for those people. Okay. Yeah. Just pray for those and, and people like that yeah, who uh-huh. don't know what they're involved in. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Moment of silence. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's okay. Good. Yeah. I don't think we've done the moment of silence before. That was no. sort of unique. Yeah. Uh, and that actually relates to the last thing I was going to mention, too, as we get into the stories. Um, the Lord had just really put this on my heart, and I just happened to think about it before taping, about... Um, 
we're hearing more and more protests now from this group called Westboro Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Like even Christian radio is talking about it, mm-hmm. uh, which you know it's got to be an old story if they get around to it. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> now they've been actually protesting the miners that died in the mine. Mm. So they're trying to find anything they could think of to try to uh, infuriate people uh, to do it. They've basically protested against anybody who's lost their life or some tragedy that's happened mm-hmm. and made a spiritual thing. And, of course, people are saying this way. Us right-wing extremists are. Mm-hmm. And uh, people feel like there's nothing they can do about it. In fact, uh, one of these uh, veterans' uh, fathers are having to pay the court costs for Westboro for protesting his funeral. And, and you know, you and I believe in the First Amendment. We believe in the right to express your views and things like this. Mm-hmm. And there are um, physical rights that people have to do that. But what they can't do is control your prayers. Mm-hmm. And so, w- would you mind if we just said a quick prayer? Please to, uh, lead to, us in a quick prayer to bind them or do or do whatever Something. if you don't mind. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I lift up the people at Westboro Baptist Church, uh, people who claim to be Christians, but and uh, maybe even say a few things that could be right as far as things that we oversee that we should be protesting or things that are, are right. But, 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 Lord, they just do such a, 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 a evil way in which they do it to just break people's hearts and nothing that's constructive or redemptive by what they do. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, I pray, and, and all of our listeners, Lord, of, of similar uh, view, Lord, pray that uh, you would do what the law can't do, and that is to bind them, Lord. If, if, mm-hmm. if uh, any of them have a relationship with you if any of those people do lord i pray that you would rebuke them and restore them and show them what's going on lord you have to do all of us children at various times in different ways but lord i pray for any of them that wouldn't have a relationship with you that you would do that for the rest of them that really don't know you at all lord i pray that you would bind them and stop them do whatever you can uh lord because they take your name and represent it and lord it's fearful for all of us who claim to be christians and what harm we can do to your name, Lord, when we don't live up to your example. But, Lord, it appears that they callously and willingly uh, try to show uh, evil and other hateful attributes that we know are not part of you, Lord, even though you have to be a God of judgment at times because you're just, and you're just for those who, who have been harmed. Uh, at the same time, Lord, this is not your style. You desire to redeem people back, Lord. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would stop them supernaturally where the law can't reach, and, Lord, we rejoice when we see that happen, when we see your hand at work. And, Lord, we ultimately pray for the res- restoration of all these people, Lord, that they'd be in a right frame of mind with you. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sorry, I know we're getting all preachy here for a Christian oh, show. Oh, gosh. Let's just, just roll with it. You want to do a story first? Uh, why don't you go first? Okay. Here's one that has a, a throwback to our prior guest. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> this was uh, from Yahoo News. Um, psychiatrics, psychiatrist research finds you can really feel a person's stare. The paper wow. by Colin A. Ross explains wow. how to measure the eye's electromagnetic energy. Now, we had him on for his book, The CA Doctors, which was an excellent book, excellent research. Mm-hmm. The man has impeccable credentials, mm-hmm. uh, scholastic credentials, well regarded. And this is one of those kind of areas where people sort of like raise their eyebrows. Something on the side that he was doing, mm-hmm. uh, his study about the effect of the eyes it have on mm. people. But it appears he's getting more and more um, 
legitimate data to support this. Hmm. And he, he knows how to do scholarly, clinical, medical, clinical yeah, work. And so he's building his case slowly. So here's the latest um, from Dallas, Texas, MarketWire. Noted psychiatrist and author Colin A. Ross, M.D., has published experimental data that supports his scientific hypothesis that the eyes emit energy that can be captured and measured. Dr. Ross's paper, The Electrophysiological Basis of Evil Eye Belief, is published in the current issue of Anthropology of Consciousness, a journal of the American Anthropological Association. And then it gives the the full paper uh, through the InterScience uh, Wiley uh, website. Although nearly everyone has experienced the sense of being stared at, only to find that a person or animal really was looking, Western science has long rejected that the human eye can emit any form of energy. Dr. Ross says that his findings move, uh, quote, human ocular extra transmission, unquote, uh, which he also refers to as an eye beam from the realm of superstition to science. We used our patent-pending electromagnetic beam detection system, which includes modified EEG neurofeedback equipment, to prove that the human eye emits an electromagnetic signal that can be measured scientifically, said Dr. Ross. I hope that future experiments will determine why energy emitted from the eye is so strong and whether it can be harnessed through focused attention. A series of videos uh, which Dr. Ross discusses a paper can be viewed on YouTube. Dr. Ross has been researching a new science of medicine focused on the human body's electromagnetic field, which he detailed in his 2009 book, Human Energy Fields. Dr. Ross previously made headlines by applying to the $1 million paranormal challenge administered by the James Randi Educational Foundation, JREF. Although Dr. Ross can prove that his eye beam can make a tone sound out of a computer, JREF insists that no energy can be emitted from the eyes and mocked Dr. Ross with its Pegasus Award. JREF has not responded to Dr. Ross's test protocol. Whoa. Uh, that's doc- very um, that's very bold to to do that to a guy who's a PhD scientist with all well scientific protocol. Here's some of his credentials. Dr. Ross is the author of 140 papers in professional journals. Okay, those would be peer reviewed, wow. and 23 books. He has lectured widely in North America, Europe, China, New Zealand, Australia. Has reviewed reviewed for many different psychiatry journals and received a number of research grants. His writing also includes short stories, poems, aphorisms, plays, and essays on a wide range of topics. And if you want to find out more about Dr. Ross and the Colony Ross Institute for Psycho- Psychological Trauma, visit www.rossinst.com. Or listen to him in Future Quake on yeah. a fantastic show. Go, we have. go check it out. What yeah. do you think about that? Good old Colin Ross making waves. Battling old uh, yeah, electromagnetic waves yep. uh, against James Randi, the amazing Randi. He's not going to be so amazing, it sounds like, after this. After Yeah, after it gets, uh, somebody does an experiment to prove... Yeah. Whether or not he did what he said he was going to do. Fuddy Daddy Randy. Fuddy Daddy Randy. What I'm curious to see is, are there any uh, incidents in the Bible of something from the eyes that? You know, that's something? very interesting. You know, Jesus, of course, says, you know, the eyes are the. I think he says the eyes are the seat of the soul or something like that. I have to go back and relook at that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm something like that. Yeah. I, I want to make sure it's one of those. Not one of those. God helps those who help themselves. Kind no. Of things. No. But there, well, there is. I can't think of anything in the Bible specifically, but I have to think about that. We didn't prepare for this like no. normal for our show. Yeah, which is always also prepared on my part. It's fresh, makes it fresh. Yeah, um, got a story. I do. Okay, lay it on us. Uh, this is actually a follow-up of something that we've been covering. I've been covering over the last couple mm-hmm. weeks. Okay, uh, WikiLeaks. 
you know, as you recall, I put out, uh, I read a story here that they were being followed and intimidated and or maybe even targeted for some type of violence or maybe even assassination or mm -hmm. something. Nobody's really sure what, but they were being targeted by the CIA and the State Department. And uh, they right. got, you know, that I, I would say refer to the previous shows for that. Since we had that, mm -hmm. it's been in the news a lot. Yep. Well... And that's, I'm just going to kind of finish that up here okay. with the latest installment. All right. Classified U.S. military video depicts murder of Iraqi civilians and two Reuters journalists. Uh, WikiLeaks has released a classified U.S. military video depicting the indiscriminate slaying of over a dozen people in the Iraqi suburb of New Baghdad, including two Reuters news staff. Reuters has been trying to obtain the video through the Freedom of Information Act without success since the time of the attack. The video, shot from a, an Apache helicopter gun sight, clearly shows the unprovoked slaying of a wounded Reuters employee and his rescuers. Two young, young children involved in the rescue were also seriously wounded. The military did not reveal how the Reuters staff were killed and stated that they did not know how the children were injured. Huh. <laughs> well, it's right there on the video. I mean, <laughs> yeah. After demands by Reuters, the incident was investigated and the U.S. military concluded that the actions of the soldiers were in accordance with the law of armed conflict and its own rules of engagement. Consequently, WikiLeaks has released a rules, classified rules of engagement for 2006, 2007, and 2008, revealing these rules before, during, and after the killings. Uh, WikiLeaks has released the, both the original 38-minute video and a shorter version with an initial analysis. So hmm. um, there you go. That's uh, what they were looking to shut WikiLeaks down for. I saw on, on Fox News some discussion about this, mm -hmm. and they tried so hard to defend shooting these unarmed people. Mm -hmm. They're running around, <clears throat> kids. and that, that, What was their comment on the video? They shouldn't have sent kids yeah, into well, a war. It, it, of course, was in a rocky neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So there was war happening in, their, you know, in front of their house. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've seen that video, and... And it's pretty obvious that, uh, you know, there was a lot going on in the heads of the helicopter pilots. Uh, but one of the things... That, that, that like they were enjoying it. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that particularly struck me, and I, I don't want to waste all of our time mm -hmm. on this, I would just instruct people to go find the video and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe brace yourselves for it, but right. watch it. Um, yeah, Think one, of Maylai Massacre. Yeah. Uh, one of the things is that here's this guy walking... With a camera, yeah, you know, it's a, mm -hmm. a wide-angle lens camera. It's very obvious from the right. from the helicopter. There's really site. no dispute. Yep, that and, it was a recognizable. And then, and then after twenty or so minutes of following him around with this camera, uh, then uh, uh, you know he sort of he he hoists up he hoists it up to a shoulder for a second. And they go, oh, it's an RPG. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's obvious that it's not mm -hmm. an RPG at that time. Yeah. Uh, so the camera didn't transform itself into an RPG from the time they saw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and that was and that was that was the onus they used. One of the onuses mm -hmm. they they used to get uh, you know a clear to fire on all those people. First of all, what they did was they classified all the stuff so no one could see it. So mm -hmm. they tried to cover it up and bury it. Yeah, which might be a good indication that they saw something there that would not reflect positively on them. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. Probably a large part of what we have classified in our military anymore these days. He's probably classified for those. Well, uh, may I just... And I speak it as someone who's had a security clearance myself, who's dealt with classified information. I know there are times with weapons and things like that where you need to classify. Sure. But it is also used for two other reasons. One is to cover up for guilty parties. 
Mm-hmm. We don't want the public to see. And secondly, when there's fraud and graft mm-hmm. in money, if you classify a project, it's very, very hard to be able to see a fraudulent financial yeah. activity. It going. was costing. Well, here's one thing that was just unclassified. A, uh, and I don't have the story in front of me. I do have one here that I'd like to follow mm-hmm. up on that. Okay. Um, there, there was a, a story that just came out that it was costing $1 million for these specific aircraft engine mechanics uh, to work for 43 minutes that were uh, uh, part of a you know private contractor thing yeah. working in, in field there yeah. in, in Iraq. And, the, and according to whatever everything was going, they were there 40 hours a week or whatever. Yeah. They just weren't doing a thing. Mm. You couldn't get them to do anything. They wouldn't work on anything. There were all sorts of clearances, and they, you know, they mm-hmm. just they just wouldn't do it. Yeah. And they were getting paid the same. Uh, and all of that stuff was classified for a long time, and then it came out that oh, okay, they're getting all this stuff. Uh, speaking of speaking of, uh, of of other nefarious soldier things here. Uh, can I can I read this other story here? Sure. Uh, U.S. Special Forces uh, soldiers dug bullets out of their victims' bodies after a botched night raid, washed the wounds with alcohol, then lied to superiors about what happened. Uh, U.S. Special Forces soldiers dug bullets out of their victims' body bodies in the bloody aftermath of a botched night raid, then washed the wounds with alcohol before lying to their superiors about what happened, Afghan investigators have told the Times. Two pregnant women, a teenage girl, a police officer, and his brother were shot on February 12th when U.S. and Afghan special forces stormed their home in Kataba village outside Gardez in eastern Afghanistan. The precise composition of the force has never been made public. Uh, the claims were made as, as NATO admitted responsibility for all the deaths for the first time last night. It, is initially, uh, it had initially claimed that the women had been dead for several hours when the assault force discovered their bodies. Mm. <clears throat> Despite earlier reports that we have determined that the l- women were accidentally killed as a result of the joint force firing at the men, said Lieutenant Colonel Todd Basili, uh, a NATO spokesman. The coalition continued to deny that they were, there had ever been a cover-up and said that its, that its legal investigation, which is ongoing, had found no evidence of inappropriate conduct. Uh, uh, there were some other stories that I saw I didn't get a chance to yeah. print. That they, uh, according to one, to uh, uh, to one one story I read that they uh, the they had actually fired an AK sprayed an AK forty seven mm-hmm. around the building, to uh, which was a foreign weapon you know mm-hmm. with chamber chambers the three three oh eight mm-hmm. round I believe yeah uh, so it wouldn't look like yeah. you know uh, NATO or special forces Americans well l- l- let me just say that I understand there's a fog of war. And that is a very scary place, like many sure. battlefield. And you could do things when you're on like your just edge. Now, special forces, I think, can probably be argued to handle this a little bit better than an average troop. You know, somebody who was just like, for example, drafted. Mm-hmm. Over. Okay, I understand mistakes can happen, and that can be taken into account in a review of an incident after this. But what we have here is an intentional deception sure. of the Iraqi people, I mean, of the Afghanistan people, and us. Yes, it's one thing to say, wow, look at what we did. This is terrible. We need to learn thing, from it. It's know. another thing to cover it up and then try and dig the, bu- the bullets out of the bodies and wash them with alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know. And we hear more and more of this, whether it's Blackwater doing it, some of our own troops, other kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I worked for the military. Well, um, I uh, supported all this stuff. But there comes a time when you have to sort of look at the facts as they are you know it's scary to see that a god of uh that 
you know, God is a God of justice. And I just mm-hmm. and He is the God of those Afghani people too. Yeah. He looks at anybody who's defenseless, fatherless, others, and he will represent their interests too. I know. And that's pretty, a bit nervous, pretty, pretty scary. To be honest. Well, w- one other last comment on that, uh, <coughs> excuse me, related this week, was that uh, I think you and I both read that uh, Colonel Lar- uh, Larry Wilkerson, who was on our show, mm-hmm. the chief of staff for Colin Powell, has actually been part of a lawsuit now mm-hmm. on behalf of the Guantanamo Bay people who were never terrorists, were known to be never terrorists, mm-hmm. were tortured anyway, and were not released because they were tortured as non-terrorists. Hmm. Uh, if you... Do you remember saying I, that? I did remember that, yeah. I saw okay. that. Okay. Yeah. There goes your plausible deniability. Okay, can I share a quick story since we're on war stuff and we, sure. people get tired of us beating the drum here? But uh, President Hamid Karzai said as he stood behind accusations that the West was responsible for election fraud in Afghanistan despite having incurred the White House's anger over his comments. Have you heard about this in the news? No, goodness. Oh, yeah. Um uh, his this I think was out of the Telegraph British. It was a related BBC interview. Mm-hmm. His remarks appeared to intensify the quarrel by directly blaming Washington for what he has described as massive fraud aimed at weakening him and his government. What I said about the election was all true. <coughs> Excuse me. I won't repeat it, but it was all true. Karzai told the BBC that the U.S. carried out the fraud. The BBC correspondent asked, "That's exactly what happened." I mentioned the elements who did it. Karzai said. He added, we have partnership. We want to continue this alliance and partnership with the United States and the rest of the world in the interest of both of us. But this has to be understood by all, that Afghanistan is a sovereign country. Karzai leveled the accusations that the West was behind election fraud in a speech on Thursday, uh, prompting the White House to to demand an explanation and the U.S. State Department to call his claims preposterous. Now, you know, he said the other day, if they they keep this up, he's going to just join the Taliban. Did you hear that? Whoa. Karzai said that. Um, since the White House expressed further frustration Monday about recent anti-Western mar- remarks made by uh, President Hamid Karzai, and but said a main meeting between him and Obama was still scheduled. The remarks are generally troubling. The substance of his remarks, as have been looked into by many, are obviously not true, said White House spokesman Robert Gibbs. In his speech on Thursday, Karzai said foreigners had bribed and threatened election workers to carry out fraud in last year's presidential election. He singled out the former deputy head of the U.N. mission in Kabul, American diplomat Peter Galbraith, as well as the French head of the European Union monitoring team. I wonder if Peter Galbraith is is related to the Galbraith who uncovered uh, like Operation Northwoods and all that other stuff. I don't know. While he did not single out <coughs> excuse me, the United States explicitly in his comments last week, he said the votes of the Afghan nation were in the control of an embassy. Washington has by far the largest embassy in Kabul. On Sunday, despite a conciliatory call to Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, Karzai again distanced himself from his Western backers by telling troubled elders Afghan need to see their leaders are not puppets and that government officials not let foreigners meddle in their work. Uh, so, anyway, that's just... Uh, hmm. He says Gibbs did not expect Karzai's comments to affect Congress's consideration of the Obama administration's budget request for Afghan war funding. Okay. <laughs> he said, uh, when asked if the White House was concerned if Karzai's comments could erode public support for the war, Gibbs expressed further frustration. On behalf of the American people, we're frustrated with the remarks. So there you go. Deception everywhere. Everybody's deceived. That's you all. know, somebody who won't deceive our listeners is Merv, who can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. 
Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're getting up to the end of the road here. Oh, Any? It's another another future quake, another justice and watching justice and incident innocence being mm-hmm. thrown to the side and trampled like a mm-hmm. you know dandelion in a field. And if you're listening to this show on WNO, you need to immediately leave where you are and go to the last days. Yeah, uh, it's in Antioch. Stand up right now. Go to last days uh, 2010 conference. Yep. And uh, hear eight great speakers speak mm-hmm. at all day Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, Grace 23rd and 24th of April. Gonna be great. Yeah. And if you heard this beforehand, make your plans. Yeah, there you go. We gotta go. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake.